Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date, Star Trek edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. I'm so pumped. I'm so pumped. Are you, are you like, are you hard enough to cut glass? I'm, I'm, I punched right through the table in front of me a minute ago with nice. my big hard Star Trek dong. Nice. Yeah, man. Most of the time I'm like, <clears throat> kind of dreading this, this part of the show, the Star Trek part of the show. Oh, the two and a half hours yep. uh, every other week that we do about Star Trek? For yep. no god, no one asked us to do this. No, not one at all. But you know what? This week, <clears throat> I feel really good about it. And I think we should shoot for three hours. Let's shoot for three. For real, we were just, I was just like, man, we need like a format or some structure or something if we're going to keep doing this goddamn podcast. And then I thought of this dumb, dumb, dumb format. <laughs> Which is just, let's it's be It's so dumb. It doesn't it's mean anything. An excuse just, to make a really elaborate dumb. list that is going to take years to make. Yeah. Well, yeah. Look, uh, I have, uh, my mouse is has clicked into cell C68. Oh, boy. Which is where I will record my score for the uh, premise for Dagger of the Mind. And I bet it's going to be a low score. Yeah, this is a, it, it will be. Um, but I'm just saying, like, I'm on a row 68 of this here spreadsheet, and it's week nine. I know, dude. It is week nine, everybody. Also, by the way, if you haven't gone to see my Google Sheet, it is beautiful. I did a really good job. <laughs> You're pretty proud of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like it because it allows us to follow um, <clears throat> trends in the, the categories. Like, it's easy to figure out how DS9 has been doing in characterization, uh, uh, for example. DS9's average in characterization well. is 8.5. Yeah, that's not uh, good. Incidentally, that's third. That's right in the middle. Yeah, 8.5 out of 20 is not amazing. Yeah, out of a possible 20. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the highest uh, is TOS, by the way. All right. At, well, At, at 9.5. You know, I'd like to say keeping it simple must be their secret, but, you know, Enterprise only has three characters, too. No, and... it's just because we love Kirk. Yeah. It's, it's just because we love the way Shatner portrays Kirk. Kirk has flowed in the whole fucking deal. Really, in yep. every way. Fuck it, let's go. <laughs> let's um, do it, man. This week we watched Dagger of the Mind. Mm. I'm always cranked to hear that, those brushes on that snare drum. Can I read this one? Yeah. This is the episode I watched last. <clears throat> it was the third one I'd watched in a row that day, and I was very sleepy. Cool. It was always fun when I go back and read it. A crazy old monster boy jumps out of a pokeball on the Enterprise and starts going sling blade on everybody's asses. Then he goes, give me asylum, you smart button-pushing brass hat. They take him back to the penal facility, and at McCoy's behest, Kirk goes to investigate some possibly unusual happenings at the facility. Turns out this doctor is a crazy person with butthole hairs for brains. What? <laughs> you can read yours. Yours might actually explain what happened <clears throat> in the episode. 
Uh, the Enterprise is delivering cargo to the penal colony on Tantalus V, and in return they beam aboard a crazed prisoner who demands asylum. The man is revealed to be the assistant of the legendary Dr. Adams, head of the colony, who seems concerned about his friend, but McCoy is suspicious. On the surface, Adams is very open and unguarded, but Spock and McCoy remain convinced that Van Gelder, I should have said his name earlier, is telling the truth. Mm. Anyway, the things like a hypnosis torture machine and Kirk punches and judo chops his way through it all. You can tell my enthusiasm for summarizing waned halfway through. I don't (laughs) know why I don't just copy whatever the description is from Netflix. Yeah, that's true. That would be fine if somebody wanted to do that. So there's like a chair, and Kirk sits in the chair, and he looks at a Simon, like a game of Simon that's glued to the ceiling. And then and, when uh, it's on, he, he's open to suggestion. He's he's vulnerable to suggestion, right? Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Oh God! But I mean, it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to even know where to start with this episode. Let's start where we always start. Did this episode have a take, and what was it? Um. So I thought about it. Yeah. And I think that the take for this episode is if it seems too good to be true it probably is three points okay um because kirk was talking a bunch of game about how great prisons were these days and and was so in love with he has such a huge boner for dr adams yeah he was very excited to meet he's like can you believe we're going to be meeting dr adams Like, have you have you been to this guy's prison? Dog, it's Club Med. Kirk, like, over and over again mentions that he has been to penal facilities before. Yeah. It's like, why one, why do you keep bringing that up? And two, when? Why? The dude has done, like... <clears throat> like, he won, he won a prize at an auction and he got to um, drive a backhoe for five minutes. <laughs> and like shift one load of dirt, and now anytime any kind of construction equipment comes up, this dude is an expert. That's right, he brings up because he drove that experience. Right? Yeah. Uh, he's been he's been to penal. He knows about their regulations. He knows you can't beam down because they got them shields up. Dude, he beams down. He's like, "Hey, take my phaser. It's regulations that you take my phaser, right?" Yeah, and then the guy's like, "Keep your, you can keep your phaser." <laughs> I'm, that guy is so cocky. He's like, "I'm definitely gonna totally capture you and put you into fucking torture mode." But no, keep your phaser. Have fun. And it's like, oh, uh, here's my here's my creepy assistant. Uh, she used to be bad, but now she's good. My <laughs> system works. <laughs> and so you, the your takeaway or what you think they wanted us to take away was that if things are too good to be true, they are too good to be true. Yeah, that's 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 I think the premise of this episode. Um, what do you think? Uh, what I put down was justice debate. The episode, <laughs> sort of. You, I, I guess we were okay. They sort of start to get into it before they beam down about um, how far prisons have come and the treatment right. of prisoners because the guy that that comes onto the ship is like freaking out about how, how a terrible torture it was or whatever. And Kirk's like, nah, I've been to one of those. I've been to it. They're they're hella nice. And McCoy gets really mad about it. And so they're kind of fighting about it. So I, I figured they were going to have a justice debate. But then they kind of... Well, like I mean, a, they just kind of didn't, though, right? Yeah, debate about the treatment of prisoners. But then they it kind of went away. Like, as in many... As in that... Uh, particularly that Voyager episode about religion. Yes. Either from last time or the time before. You're like, alright, here it comes. <laughs> I'm, here ready, it I'm ready, sci-fi. I'm ready. 
But then it just didn't, and it wasn't, and it didn't. Fizzled out, yeah. Uh, because Kirk does learn his lesson. I mean, he's like, oh, no, it's it's hella nice down there. I've been to those before. It's all cleaned up. It's not like it used to be in the olden days where prisons were terrible. And then he goes in there and he gets a real awful prison experience. So, I, I mean, know. he gets a pretty bad prison experience. They, I mean, it, it really, I'm not sure what the guy's, if the guy even has a plan. Or if his entire plan is that he's just going to be like, uh, hey, uh, your captain's crazy now. So he lives here. <laughs> yep. Like, he has no plan. That's right. Yeah, I'm sure everyone would buy that. He and beamed down, and now he has to he, live there forever. The sinister thing that he does is he walks in on the girl doctor uh, making Kirk think yeah. that they're in love, and he just, like, pushes it. Yep. He's just like, oh, you're so in love. It's I, Oh, you can't you can't live without her. For a second, I thought Which he was... Which I think is as much to be shitty to her as it is to Kirk. I thought for a second he was going to try to um, hypnotize Kirk into space rape, where he'd be, like, so crazy and had to have her that he'd, he'd stop at nothing or whatever. But he mostly just makes out with her. He, he, he mouth rapes her, which he does to everybody, I think. Right, which he would have done without the interference. Right. That's probably what happened at the Christmas party. Yes. Yeah, this lady... <laughs> this is, I have this in Quick Hitters and characterization for um, for Dr. McCoy. He he's a master manipulator, and he knows just how to get to Kirk. He assigns oh, him yeah. a lady that Kirk apparently diddled at a space Christmas party. Yeah, like from from what she tries to implant, I think it's pretty clear that they didn't go bang somewhere. But like he slipped but then a digit for why sure. Why are they both so awkward about it? Well, yeah. Oh yeah, digit. Yeah, if he if he yeah, did drop a digit on her, that's enough. Yes, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so one hundred percent, what happened? Yeah, he diddled the crap out of her. Like, he he got into her, uh, I mean, you've seen the length of those skirts, like... Oh, yeah, dude. It's just, like, bottom of the butt cheeks just hanging out of those things. Like, they must have a move, you know that, put your arm around a girl at the movie theater move? Uh-huh. They must have a move where your hand goes right down their pants, because it, it's, like, it'd be very it's right easy. there. It would be hard, actually, not to accidentally grope somebody. Yeah. Anyway. Those corridors are very narrow. It's a very strange uniform. Um... Um, my, I, so I would have given Justice Debate high marks if they had just gone for it, but they did not. Yeah, so, so what I, did you give it? I gave it a four for Justice Debate. You gave Justice Debate a high, okay, that's fine. Alright, well. It's not even a take. Uh, well, the take was that, uh, that turns out treatment of prisoners hasn't come that, hasn't come that far. But, <clears throat> you know, also that guy was just a crazy mad scientist, so. Yeah. Um... Well, don't worry, and it pays for it in execution. So, I mean, like, we could check up on it, but uh, what Ben what Ben said, Ben's premise for this episode, because he did get his picks in this week. And we should let Ben get get a little bit of airtime. I think we, we, were, we slept on him a little bit last week. Oh, yeah, because of our weird thing. Uh, Ben's, Ben's take for this episode was, abuses of power are wrong. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, I know. <sighs> Do you remember... We had an earlier episode where you said the take was women are equal to men and should be treated equally. And you're like, you just have to remember that that was the take. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. It seems too obvious that you would not assume that was the, that was the takeaway, but it was the 60s. After I had done my notes and I checked up on Ben's, I asked myself, oh, man, like, is that the take? <laughs> like, is it just I just thought it couldn't be that simple. But I, frankly, I just don't think it is. Uh-uh. Maybe if they tied in Kirk diddling that lady into something. Because that was an abuse of power. That would be the other thing. But, like, it's not clear what happened. 
but it frankly it seems like it was definitely consensual mm-hmm. for sure like she is much less awkward than him when they meet again yeah because he she is she's just more like um hey you never call you know he thought he had already reassigned her to some faraway outpost yeah but mccoy had stashed her he thought for sure that he had sent her with uh Aquiel? Space Commissioner Menendez's oh. <laughs> chilies. Yes. Uh, That's right. Far Station 3 or yeah. whatever. I'll send it with a courier to make sure that those chilies get uh, there. <laughs> and he was, you know, he, he figured McCoy was probably the only doctor on the ship again, like he always will be. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. Then she turns up in the transporter. And you're right. It's McCoy. McCoy really nails him with this one. McCoy's just t- fucking with him in the worst possible way. Uh, but also, McCoy is definitely putting this member of his staff uh, in an awkward situation oh, yeah. with someone who took advantage of his position of power with her at the Christmas party. That's correct. So, Ben, if they had tied any of that into the episode about abuses of power. Uh, yeah, but they can't I mean, because it's Kirk, and then they'd have to fire him or something. There's a better version of this episode. <laughs> like, I guess... I'm not sure. Is it a better version of... The better version of this episode is... McCoy just goes down there. Yeah. And we don't we don't have to know that Kirk is like uh I don't know, like he's real hands off Janice Rand, but uh some rando doctor at a Christmas party. Yeah, if he gets a little in him, gets a little liquor in him, she's gonna get a little bit of Kirk in her, for sure. Hmm. Uh I'd rather that that was not the case. Yeah. <clears throat> Alright, well what do you think about uh execution? Um, obviously everything about Dr. Noelle is garbage, starting with <laughs> the fact that her name is Dr. Noelle. Yeah, it's a Christmas party is when she Christmas got Christmas party. That's yeah. not really her real name, they just call hey, her that now. Hey, Star Trek, we all got it. <laughs> yeah. We all got it. <laughs> good, good work, we all got it. Yeah. Um, Doug, they showed me a dream. I know they did. You can't show me a dream. I know you don't like Don't make that. me see someone's dream. Don't make me look at anyone's dream. Don't make me know what happened in someone's dream. No dream sequences. Don't, don't show me the version of the Christmas party <clears throat> that she is implanting in his head. That they fucked all night. Yeah. just I don't need to see her him carrying her into his quarters or whatever. Fuck you. Anyway, it's a one. I gave it a one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can't do that to me. Also, everything else about the episode sucked. It right? was not good. They If... If... If, uh, if, so, going against my take, which is, seems too good to be true, it probably is, they should have showed, like, more positive aspects of the prison colony. They got right into the sinister guy operating the controls. Like, they basically went, the first stop on the tour was that guy. Yeah. No, I'm sorry, first was, uh, first was the crazy lady. Oh, the goth who walked in? First first stop on the tour was the goth. Aubrey Plaza's mom walked in? Aubrey Plaza's mom. Second stop on the tour was a hypnotized guy operating the hypnosis machine. (laughs) Right. So, like, um, don't just have Kirk tell me for the first 15 minutes of the episode that the guy's a genius. Yeah. Make it seem like his shit works, and then we can get into the dystopian reason why it works. Agreed. So, anyway, I gave it a one. How about you? I gave it a two. Ooh, a two. I said, what is this episode actually about? A mild suggestion of debate about the progress in the treatment of prisoners. That's it. That's all I have. Yeah, and so here's the thing. Again, our job is not to fix these episodes, particularly from the 60s. Yeah. Um, I got a little bit uncomfortable with the number of times Kirk is like... No, 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 no. These prisons are like a vacation. You no, know, it was really weird. It was weird. Because 
in the real world, and I'm sure this must have been true in the 60s, that is the kind of thing that someone says who is, like, brushing off concerns about the fairness of the justice system. Mm-hmm. And, like, how things are prosecuted and, and uh, the composition of juries and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Someone, someone who is is countering an argument that there are problems in our justice system is going to say stuff like, Oh man, you should wish to get sent to one of these prisons. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't, they don't, they They didn't get get into what's behind Kirk's statement about how great prisons are now. Again, unless all you're counting is that he loves that dude. He loves that dude. He He, knows he loves him so much. He's big into Dr. Adams. This is like the eighth time they visited a guy. Yeah. Where, like, everybody's like, oh, man, how many famous scientists are there now? Yeah, a lot. There's, it's, it's two. It's Stephen Hawking <laughs> and Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, in the future, and, though. by the way, does Neil deGrasse Tyson do science or just talk about it? As far as I know, he only talks about it. Right. I'm not familiar with any science he's done. If, uh, if you and I were on a Coast Guard cutter and they're like, ah, it's time to go to the island and check in on the scientist, we wouldn't be like, oh, this guy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know all about this guy. Be like, I'm going to look up his publication record. I'll do, I'll do that. I'll go that far. He is famous for his scientific <laughs> merit. Yeah. Uh, was this, by the way, was this another example of people living on a planet by themselves? Was this a whole planet, or was this just some kind of weird outpost or something? I don't know I, if there was anything remember. else on the planet, aside from this penal colony. Okay. But they didn't. I mean, the planet clearly had a breathable atmosphere. They beamed down outside and then went down the fast elevator. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Um, But yeah. So the reason I gave it a two instead of a one, I reserve the ones first when it is egregious and makes me angry. And this was just nothing. Yeah, I guess. It was essentially nothing. I guess so. I mean, Van Gelder's acting. (laughs) You don't think he's best actor of the week? Best actor, Uh, Dr. Van Gelder? I mean, I I, I gave him either best actor or worst actor. Depending. I mentioned him in the dispatches. Well, it's true that... At least half the time, he did remind me a lot of Ric Flair. The nature boy? Uh, he was very Ric Flair. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, he was doing a lot of faces. Making a lot of... He's doing a lot of facial acting. Oh, boy. And that whole scene where uh, Spock is mind-melding with him, th- that is the reason I could never be an actor. I don't think I could... I don't think I could do it, where there's just a dude who's touching my face and really quietly, like, mouthing all the words I say right next to me, with his lips, like, right next to mine. You and think just, that'd be hard to get through? And just film that scene without laughing. <laughs> and then maybe have to do, like, extra takes of it and stuff. I could. There's no way I would be able to do that. So, basically, you're <laughs> confident that your uh, deadpan ability is right around Jimmy Fallon's? Exactly correct, <laughs> yes. If somebody said Steely Dan in a skit, I would start to lose it. For sure. That's a funny reference. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> okay, so the top half of this episode. Not going well. Not great. Yeah. It's not about anything, and they didn't do a good job of the nothing. And, by the way, you know, and we can talk about this a little bit more, um, maybe if we feel like the episode's going faster, but I feel like three of these four categories I have determined to be very important to what I think of the quality of the episode. And those are two of those three. The world building I've sort of come to discover, I find, is correlates less to how well I thought the episode did. Like, how much it contributes to the overall lore of the universe doesn't make me enjoy the episode more or less, or think more or less of its quality, is what I've determined. 
based on these first several episodes. Well, I feel like it contributes to how much I like a series. I feel like how that's much correct. world building the series does is part of what I like about a series. And it, you're right that it's less important episode to episode. Right, and I feel like you should give them points for doing it because I want more world building. But yes, on an episode to episode level, I haven't found that it has made a, a huge difference. So it's not good if two out of the three being your take, the execution, and characterization that I consider important for the quality of an episode have started off this bad for TOS. Yeah. Not good. <clears throat> um, did you remember this episode? I remembered like, bits. I remembered bits I remembered, about it. I felt like I remembered exactly one half of this episode, which is the hypnosis machine. Yes, I remembered that. Uh, including the ending, where it's the guys left in, with the machine turned on all alone. Right. I did not remember Dr. Helen Noel at all. Me neither. Like, I have just excised her from my memory. That whole arc is I gone. I think it gets hard to remember all of his ladies after a while. I think they all kind of blend together. Like, I saw the Netflix screenshot was him with a lady, and I oh, he's with another lady. But I did not remember who she was. Yeah, it's a brunette this time. Yeah. Um, world, world, world building. It does some. Okay. Um... The Central Authority for Prisons is in Stockholm. The the Central Bureau of Penology. I made sure of to penology. write that down. Yep. They say they say that word too, too much. Perhaps. Yes. Um obviously the first use of the mind meld. That's what I was and, I have that in my world building it with a question mark. I couldn't remember what I think it is. And it. maybe okay. the first neck pinch. Also could not remember. Yeah. I haven't I don't remember having seen one or mentioned it before, but he definitely does it in this episode. If it was the first one, they needed to make a bigger deal out of it. Um, but from a world building stance, there's a lot of little regulation talk in this episode. Ooh. <laughs> all right, Star Trek nerds, get ready. No, no, I didn't write it all down. Okay, good. Um, and that kind of thing makes the world feel real to me. Right. The same as, like, a few episodes ago. Uh, Jesus, which one? What are little <laughs> girls made of, I think? Mm. Where the guy wants to get Kirk's command packet, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh yeah, that's telling him where to go next and stuff. Like uh, that's got all yeah. his missions and his stuff little in there. portfolio or whatever. Right. And when they're doing all of the regulations about, uh, you can't beam up like this, or uh, I'm gonna make a, I'm gonna make an entry in my medical log, and you'll have to answer it in your log. That's true. They are going into procedure a lot. Like, uh. <clears throat> Uh, all of that stuff uh, just makes the world feel real to me. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, and like somebody maybe thought even for just five minutes about how this might be done. Right. So anyway, I gave it a six. Like there's not a lot of big stuff in here. The mind meld, obviously. We'll see that. Uh, unlike many of the things that come up in world building, we're going to see that 50 more times. Right. Well, that's the that's what you want out of world building is something that they actually feel like they're going to use later on. Instead of just a bunch of stuff that um, that don't matter. So that if it's the first mind meld, I want to give it points for that. Because that's going to come up a million more times. That's important. Uh, space justice stuff. Uh, re- rehabilitation techniques. Space Christmas parties still exist. Like, with fucking included. Oh, it um, seemed very, very like an office Christmas party. Very understandable as an office Christmas party. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like you said, there's some protocol and procedure. Like, uh, like the dude in the beginning beams up that pokeball, and uh, he's like, "Hey, you, don't you remember 
fucking penal beam up procedures, idiot, or whatever. Stuff like that. Um, I gave it a five. Yeah. Um, Ben gave it a seven. Okay. Um, which is also what he gave it for execution. Oh boy. So he thought they did a good job of showing that abuses of power are wrong. We gave it a three combined. <laughs> well, I mean, if that's his take, um, yeah. I guess the guy was a bad guy and he did bad stuff. Yeah, and so. he works in Kirk's fraternization. Yeah, he does. Um, and he says that they make it not controversial that he's crossed a line by having him turn it against one of his own staff, not just against helpless prisoners. Yeah. So that's why he, I mean, he gave it a seven. Um, World building, he gives a seven with the, his entire statement is Vulcan neck pinch baby. And then apparently fraternizing with a subordinate is not a big thing in the future, but being embarrassed by a one night stand still is. Yep. Kirk is very unhappy to see that lady in the room. Yep. No, I think you're absolutely right. He was sure. He was sure he'd centered her mind dilithium <laughs> on that planet with those three miners and their yeah. ugly wives. He thought he accidentally beamed her down before they left. <clears throat> He thought that she was in the weather pod, and they went to yellow alert. That's and right. And then they went to red alert. You know what happens. And she got jettisoned. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that in... Many episodes? Uh, it's probably many from now, right? Well, see, the problem is I don't remember the name of that episode. No. Oh, okay. I know next is the Corbinite Maneuver. We'll get to it later, but I'm just saying. I saw it to say it was the next episode. <clears throat> Fuck, man. I guess it's coming in a long time. Is that the one? I thought it was called Court Martial, but we'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, we'll worry about that later. Um, characterization. I gave it a five. I said, Bones is very adversarial about prison justice. He's also a space manipulator extraordinaire. And Kirk thinks prisons are all hella nice now, because he's naive. Also, he's not a great 2000s boss. No. Because of how many ladies he's fucked and then had to reassign to faraway outposts to avoid scandals. By which I assume you also mean 2010s. Yes, exactly. All of the 2000s, not just the two, not just the last zeros. He's not in our century. Yeah. uh, Even our millennium. Or even our willennium. Um, yeah, I had it at a four, so not quite as good. Oh, by the way, Spock was in it, but didn't do any. I don't know anything about Spock based on this episode. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, I'll start with Spock. Um, Spock is very amused by everything. Oh, he mugs for the camera he, a few times. He has a big shit-eating grin when Dr. Noel shows up. Mm-hmm. By the way, as if he knows exactly what happened at the Christmas party. Everyone knows! he wasn't drinking. Mm-hmm. Um... But he knows right away what's going on with that. He And, like, <clears throat> when they're arguing on the bridge, he's amused by that. This is his... He's enjoying the show. Okay. That's what's happening here with Spock. I like that. It's so much better than the shitty Vulcans that we see every single week in Enterprise. Well, yeah. In Enterprise, in particular, the Vulcans are... Like all of the characters in Enterprise, very unlikable. Yeah. Um... Kirk bangs ladies at the Christmas party. Guts mm-hmm. right on track. Mm-hmm. Um, McCoy seems to not give a shit about this guy's great reputation or like his great work. Like he's not impressed at all. Right. He he may even not like him it's before possible. they get there because he's doing well for himself. I don't think McCoy's happy being on the Enterprise. <laughs> you think McCoy would be happy doing something else? Or do yeah, you think he'd he... like to be? 
he came out there after he got jilted or whatever. Mm. Whatever his dumb private backstory is. And uh, You think he'd be happier in Kentucky or wherever the fuck he's from? You know, he did that uh, last week at, at uh, Miri's Planet. He got to do some actual virus research and shit. Yeah, he did. Mostly he just looks at his monitors and goes, why are they doing that? Yeah. It's not what he signed up for. He was probably happier last week with his very well-equipped 1960s lab. Um, so anyway, I feel like the characterization didn't advance. Yeah. And in fact, this is not quite right for Kirk. I would kind of prefer he didn't. He wasn't fraternizing. Uh, yeah, but what are you like, going to do I about kind it? of like his Janice Rand take where he's like, no, I can't. Like, I'd like to. <laughs> Obviously, I'd of like course. to. No beach. Right. Was Right? That was a big part of his thing. No beach? When he when he was losing his mind and confessing his love for Janet oh, Rand. Yeah. I don't know. Um anyway, it's a f uh, four. That's, okay. where I, that's where I put it. Well. This episode didn't score very well. Um, I mean, it scored two better than Miri. Oh boy, Miri sucked, huh? And uh uh four better than Mud's women. <laughs> Mud's women really did suck. That <laughs> Mud's women was a very bad episode. That episode had very little to redeem itself. Uh, it it's scored awful. the same as the enemy within. So it's actually you know, it's not the man trap Charlie X where no man has gone before the naked time. Those all scored higher. Did we just and get burned out on TOS? Girls, what are little girls made of scored a little higher too. Oh. So yes, this is definitely below average for TOS. Um but uh, through eight weeks, the average score for TOS was 33.75, and this one clocked in at a 30. All right. Well, I wonder if we got burned out already on TOS. If it's, if now we're I don't know. I, I mean, I super enjoyed that kid spitting in Kirk's face last week. <laughs> That's true. That was pretty good. I didn't feel burned out. Uh, I'll do some quick hitters. Um... Oh, do you have some? Are there some for this episode? So, is nobody going to recognize that crazy old weasel boy because he put on a red jumper? <laughs> like, what? Okay, that was my first thought. And then I saw the guy who chased him down. And that guy looked like an old weasel boy. Yeah, when so that fucker when that fucker comes up, right? <laughs> um, He is wearing the same outfit, the same coveralls. That we see every crewman who's actually doing a job wear. Right. Yes. For the first eight episodes. Like. Jumps. It's the same outfit. So. Why did he think he needed to switch from a blue one to a red one? I don't know. And because that's what he does, by the way. And I don't know why he thought he was going to get away with it. The first guy who saw him was another crazy old weasel guy. Yep. Who, who was like, oh, that ain't right. <laughs> Well, that's that's see, not a guy. See, he put the red one on, and that that's engineering. So he should have been in engineering. Yeah. And that guy was like, no, no, no. We're at security alert level four. You gots to get to engineering, son. It's very important you be at your station. Also, it's level four or level three, I don't remember. So where did you get your haircut? Because I want to get my haircut just like that. Also, you keep going cross-eyed. <laughs> so yeah, that guy knew something was off. Um... I don't like Spock's earbud. I think there's something messed up about it. It's all sticky outy. The earbud oh, he wears yeah. on the bridge. Well, it's got that huge um, antenna on it, so <laughs> it's got to stand out from his head a little bit. I don't think Bluetooth is as good in the future. I think it's 
pretty bad. Um, McCoy really likes to wear his short sleeve surgery shirt. Yep. But sometimes you do see him in the long sleeve regular type uni. Yeah, usually like on away team missions. So I, yeah, I don't know what it's based on if that's all it is. But he was in his short sleeve in this one. Uh, Kirk did a high kick <laughs> that made me laugh so hard my chest hurt afterward. <laughs> Yep, he does a lot of judo chops and the high kicks. <laughs> the his the vision of the future of martial arts, I think, was shown very well in Charlie X. <laughs> yes, it was. It's a lot of tumbling and uh, <laughs> like the kind of stuff you'd learn in your first week of judo, right? Uh, and it's all done by pudgy guys. Yeah, dudes who are wearing their pants as high as they can, so you can't see what they got under them. Yep, it's yeah. um. I don't know. I mean, look, what do we know of martial arts in TNG? We know um, that uh, we know that Tashi R calls for uh, calls for an Aikido program and then does judo. Yes, exactly. Uh, and then after that, it's just Klingon Tai Chi. That's the only thing we see. And when anybody actually fights, they always go for the open palm strike. Yep, that is the well, strikers go to. That's the judo chop of the twenty fourth century. Yeah, so. You won't find anybody with better physical training than Starfleet. Uh, in the future, apparently, it's you, a lot of tumbling. You rehabilitate incorrigibles by, like, via a laser beam to the head. Oh yeah, that's is, not controversial at all. Which is, I guess, just a futuristic lobotomy. I, I guess. Um, by the way, they never say laser beam. They say beam like a hundred times. Yes, um, I assumed it was laser. Uh, we talked about Kirk constantly bringing up how he's been to re- uh, rehabilitation facilities or whatever before. Um, the 60s goth who came out just straight up said, I love my work. And that's why I thought it was Aubrey Plaza's mom. Yep. Uh, a shifting of memory patterns is basic to psychotherapy. Oh, yeah. Huh? Yep. I don't know what that means. <laughs> that's no, a hundred percent true, though. That's a sentence that somebody a said. A shifting of memory patterns. Basically, Basically, psychotherapy. Psychotherapy. Uh, I had Dr. Van Gelder as best actor, in case you were wondering. I I know you'll give me your take on that in a minute. I will. Um, I love the gigantic off button on the torture rehab console. Yep. Had to be somewhat legible on your 13-inch TV (laughs) inside a 50-inch wooden cabinet. It was the size of, like, a a box of crackers or something. It was huge. Um, By the way, I like that it's not... It's not on the dial... So that, like, you don't have to turn it down before it turns off, so that it can come on at full power. That's right. So accidentally, it will come on at full power yeah. later in the like, episode. Like, uh, I know he built this device himself, but he did not spend much time thinking about safety. <laughs> no. Uh, Spock does not take it easy on this dude in the mind meld. He doesn't start with an easy question like favorite food or first pet's name. Nope. He just goes straight to the terror of the neural neutralizer. Uh, well, it's not a lie detector. But I'm just saying he just walks him right into it. He just goes, we're mind-melding? Okay, tell me about torture. The lie detector's in the conference room. Yes, I know. I know that's where they keep it. And that's that all I'm saying. Very well. It made those women very nervous. I'm saying, don't you want to like ease him into it? Nah. He's just like, no, let's do it. That's a reasonable approach. It's not the one he takes. Talk about torture. Uh, every time we see him mind-meld with someone who's like not that into it, it's a little rapey. Like, yeah. I, that part of Star Trek Six is my least favorite part. Well, how do you think he finds out that the Romulan ambassador is involved? He needed to do that. Yep. Um, Kirk, I think he was talking that lady doctor into putting sexual suggestions into his head. He kept asking her to try more stuff. 
No, try something different. Try something different, like different, like hornier. Try maybe. something like we'd never, like we'd never do. Try something that's like sexual in nature. Could you try that? Yeah, get horny with it. Uh, I had worst actor Shatner, but again, I'll let you know. I'll let you do your thing on that. Um, high power circuits with mega voltage. Yes. So that's yes, what's indeed. in the future. That's what's ahead of us, everybody. And uh, he's concerned that she may not have had training <laughs> in high power circuits with mega voltage. <laughs> Uh, which is a reasonable concern because she is a medical doctor. Yeah, that's right. She would. She uh, of course she does not have training in that, Kirk. They look a lot like regular, like regular circuits with regular voltage. Well, you're yeah, like, wrong. They, by the way, shouldn't they have had like warning mega voltage written on them somewhere? They apparently the, the warning was not big enough. Uh, the lady crawling through the ducts in the position she was where the camera was solely so you could get the down the blouse shots. Yep. Uh, then there's a Kirk judo chop to, near the end. Oh, incidentally, don't you love how he, um, they get that thing open and then he's like, you can fit in there. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Doug, you could have fit in there. It was pretty big, actually. You seem to know about high power circuits and mega voltage. <laughs> yeah, but he had to go in there and get tortured some more. It was his job. Yeah, and luckily whoever came for him wasn't like, hey. Where's the lady? Yep. <clears throat> uh, when the guy got shocked, he had all kinds of cartoon soot over his fa- all over his face and body. Because yep. that's what happens with mega voltage. You can't prove it doesn't. Uh, Marjan was upset about Kirk kissing that lady because uh, he's her boss, but Marjan didn't watch enough Mad Men, I guess. Because that's what no. happened in the 60s. That's just allowed in the 60s. Yep. And then uh, Spock mugs for the camera a ton when he sees Kirk. Presumably about to make it with this chick. Oh yeah, I forgot about that part when he comes in at the end. Mm-hmm. He does. He does do a lot of. Uh, does a lot of camera work. Yeah. That's all I got. <clears throat> uh, I got a couple of other things. Is this the first time we've heard that standard red alert clacks on? Uh, God, I it don't. It was know. very prominent when it happened. I don't know. Can't. And say. I was like, oh, they're still going to be using that same sound in eighty years, apparently. Uh. Kirk gives his log reports on the bridge. Yeah. That makes uh, some of the earlier episodes we've seen not so. Like, at some point, he's on the bridge saying, uh, Captain's log, unbeknownst to us, they <laughs> deemed a duplicate of me. And it's like, yeah. are they all just like, oh my god, he's just, that's what he's saying? That's going in the log? Well, it was always maddening the way he constantly changed tenses and... Some of the log was before the event, some log was after, but the order didn't necessarily make any sense. But he just plops himself down in that uncomfortable-looking chair and gives that log. Hey, dude, there's one log button on the whole ship, and it's on his chair. That's it. Um, so, like, when he's saying, well, uh, routine, except that the that woman was the one woman in Dr. McCoy's <laughs> life. <laughs> he's just doing that on the bridge? Yep, that's right. But everyone already knows that about McCoy. That's fine. I guess so. Yeah. Um, no secrets on the starship. No. Not on the um, Yeah. Uh, will we ever see another doctor on the ship? Like, we um, know there's Nurse Chapel, and we've seen orderlies. I kind of feel like the lady who plays Pulaski plays a doctor, but maybe I'm just thinking of Pulaski. I know she plays two characters in TOS. Yeah. She's in, like, the last episode, I think. Right? Yeah, in one of them, she plays a lady crew member, but I don't remember what she does. Uh, best actor, I wrote McCoy, I guess. Oh, okay. All right. 
And uh, worst actor, Funny Face Van Gelder. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I had him for best actor. I felt like he was really going for it. Uh, ben had him for best slash worst actor. <laughs> all. Oh, no, Ben just had him for best. Okay. Van Gelder, uh, did you have any doubt that dude was crazy from the very first scene? No. Yeah. No, he comes out of the box like a crazy man. A crazy monster boy. Uh, and he also had, he had worst Kirk. Yeah, I think Ben and I Cla- agreed on that one. Classic Shatner acting. I think we should call it shatting. <laughs> well, so not great. Not no, great. it really wasn't. Although, again... Like, the combined total of 30 points suggests that we're still giving it some credit. Well, we didn't, uh, we're not being unfair. We never are. Yeah. That's not us. That's not what we do. It's not. Is there was a not so good. But we watched four other Star Treks. Maybe one of them was good. This week we watched Hide and Q. <laughs> Counselor Troy is on vacation, and the Enterprise is responding to a medical emergency on a colony when they're stopped by Q's Space Force field and forced to play a dumb Avalon Hill war game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyway, he immediately tells Picard that he's there to tempt Riker with the power of the Q. Will he use that power? All right. Uh, This was the episode I was most looking forward to for this week. Uh, Lots of fond memories of this episode. I guess, I mean, most Q episodes I super, super hate. Q is the worst. Yeah. But there's something about this episode special. It's special in my memory. It's because of the vicious animal things. That's what's special <laughs> to you, right? A lot of it, yes. Uh, this is the episode, by the way, that I had the most quick hitters for. I had a, I had a ton, it's too. It's a ton of them. But before we get to the um, dessert portion of this episode, I guess we should go through the actual vegetables. Um, yeah, dog. Uh, what's the take what are we doing i'm glad i see i think tng has definitely figured out the formula because if you say to me power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely do you believe i haven't thought of that jean Luc? now i know what the episode's about okay and i'm all in you get points for making it clear and so you gave it a seven seven um I'm going to surprise you and say that uh, that was not what I think the take is. What? They said yeah. it with their mouths. Uh, they do say it with their mouths. All right. Uh, they don't really show it, though. Well, like, is corrupting absolutely him calling a conference and starting to say Jean-Luc? Mm. Well. That's, that's absolute corruption? I see your point. Um... No, the real take here is something someone's shitty dad would say about earning things rather than being given to them. Being given them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't formalize it exactly. Right. But it's like a shitty dad thing. Okay. Like, you don't, appre- you don't know the value of a dollar because you haven't earned it. Right. Like, this is about... Humanity is eventually going to get this power. That's Q's big worry. Right. Um... Q wants to give it to Riker now so he can control humanity's understanding of it, and 100%. also so that humanity doesn't get ahead of them somehow. And so they can... I think Q isn't entirely lying when he says they want that human ability to grow and, and change. Yeah. So I think they're, they're, they're trying to get some of that in their, in their fucking DNA. Um, yeah, so this is about 
being given the thing rather than earning it. Okay. And that's why Riker doesn't know what to do with it. Not because he's corrupt. Listen, it's because the writers are very bad, also. <laughs> that, is the most, that is the reason most things happen on this show. But, like, the way... The way that Dagger of the Mind is... The character of Adams... Mm. Crazy old Dr. Adams. Crazy old Dr. Adams. For the first 20 minutes, like, even when you find out it's his assistant... Yeah. Like, he still is saying all of the right things, running all the right beats, letting Kirk keep his weapon. Oh, in fact, he's really overt. He's like, oh, that's suspicious of me. Well, don't worry, you guys can talk alone. I'll be in the other room. Asking asking if there's a, a better facility to mm-hmm. take Van Gelder to, right? Like, he is not doing the thing that bad science fiction and Star Trek do all the time, where everything about the dude is sinister from the beginning, like Corby. Oh, fucking Corby, dude. Right, so, like, at, th- at that point, through the first 20 minutes of the episode, I was like, okay, cool. Like, this guy's, he's hitting all of the right beats like you would if you were not an insano. Right, yep. That's Riker really is good. not that. No. Riker goes right to insano. Right, yeah. Um, Agreed. Anyway. Is it still the take? That's my take, and I gave it a three. Okay. <laughs> it's a great take. Again, it's... It's something shitty that someone who doesn't remember the things that they've been given in life would say to a young person. Okay. Well, I feel like we were getting into execution there. That's why I was asking. Yeah. Um, oh, let's just do it then. Uh, I gave it an eight for execution. Okay. Against that shit premise. Uh, so obviously Riker is not ready at all. Correct. For this shit. Like, but... Um, he has also shown the error of his ways when Wesley and Data reject the gifts that he wants to give them because they're not real or they don't count in some way. Like, they want to get there on their own. They want to earn them. Mm. This is not why Jordy rejects his gift, by the way. He just does it to be an asshole. It did, it did seem like he looked around the room, like, kind of read the temperature of the room. Yeah, and exactly. Went, oh, He's like, oh, I, I better not take this. I'm not keeping my eyesight. If everyone uh, rejects theirs and I keep mine, I'm going to look like a real jerk. Yeah, and uh, well, I mean, Worf rejects his gift because he's got some deep issues, I guess. <laughs> he doesn't mind just yelling them out to the whole bridge. Uh, he just shouts his issues out loud on the bridge, but... Um, I got weird but, sex problems about Klingons! Uh, but Wesley and Data also model this behavior of, uh, yeah, I'm going to get where I'm going on my own. Don't need your help. I don't need me. this gift from you. Right. That's uh, true. So, anyway, I thought it was an 8 on executing on my premise. But given that you thought this was absolute power corrupts absolutely, how did you feel the show executed? I also gave it an 8. Yeah! Really? So, I thought it was... I thought it was effective that Riker instantly fell for the Q powers test. Or failed <laughs> failed the Q powers test. Yeah, by I, getting all okay. pissy about passing it. Because it, it, it shows how unprepared humanity is to take on that mantle. That even Mr. Perfect Riker, as soon as he gets it, is suddenly like, well, what the fuck do I need to... I don't need to really call up a card boss anymore. Like, I got all these magic powers. Yeah, I don't I don't need anything. I don't need any... I don't care what any of you think, and I don't need any of this. Yeah, and it's not even that he failed it. He was just real mad about passing the test, because he didn't save that little girl. Yep. Um, and also makes... It also puts Riker on track to a much more enjoyable, enjoyable Riker, one who's not a perfect 
perfect officer like he is in the first few episodes. So, yeah, this is something that I was going to talk about later because it's really more characterization. Yeah. Um, I, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to the rest of this season to see if this was the turning point in Riker's character. <laughs> Where they like went. if this, if this dumb shit humbled him <laughs> Where they and, were. and by the way, is this why, is this why he starts rejecting commands? Like, did up. this destroy him? Destroys his psyche entirely. <laughs> I don't know. We can't, we can't think that far ahead. It'll, it'll Worf just... didn't bone down with that Klingon lady right on the bridge and he's just done. Like, <laughs> he just doesn't he didn't he, all of his none of his friends liked his gifts no they did he just like i don't know these people and i made a just a huge ass out of myself and picard got to be so smug about yep. it Yep, yeah picard uh, really smokes him in there um i'm just anyway i'll be i'll be super happy if if i've never noticed it before but it turns out that this was the end of cocky Riker. um it won't be but you know what i mean other execution notes it, it is a little bit hard to reconcile the silliness of q with the melodrama of yar the deaths <laughs> of wesley and Worf, and the suffering at that colony yep. maybe they thought it would make q seem more evil if he was having so much delight during all of that but he still seems kind of fun to me like i wasn't entirely rooting ag- did someone say game <laughs> And perchance, for interest's sake, a deadly game. That's right, a deadly game. I so he still seems kind of fun and silly. I'd like to. I wish I could watch it again for the very first time and see how I felt about Q in that episode. But like knowing what happens already might have helped to keep some of the drama at bay. I don't know. Yeah. But um, so the tone is a little off, and I'm not sure what it does with Q in the rest of that episode. But anyway, so I guess that's why it's not a ten for you. That's exactly correct. <laughs> Otherwise, this was this would have been perfect execution. Uh, so here at the first half, let's uh, let's check in with Ben. Okay, uh, Ben's take: uh, What drives humanity? This okay. is the question Q seeks to answer, and the surprising result is that not even we know, since Riker totally backs away from his intention to take Q up on his offer. And that was a seven for him. The question, what drives humanity? Okay. Um, I would have I would have had trouble making that the take because I just feel like they... I feel like that question is answered by everyone in the episode. What drives humanity is the need to better themselves and learn and grow and everything like that. But he's saying because Riker instantly starts using his Q powers or whatever? Yeah. That it's hard to say? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. And he thinks they executed at a six level for that. Um, saying he's going to give points for something we don't usually mention, the costume design. I do have a costume design note uh, for a later episode this week, but we'll get there when we get there. I have one in this episode for sure. Um, um, he says, sure, the Grand Armee uniforms must be surplus from some movie, but it was kind of nice not seeing GIs versus Nazis again. Yeah, that's true. Um, he says it's uh, it's silly that the initial test for Riker is when there's like no imminent danger. And it's absolutely true. Q does say to Riker right away, like, you're only, use the power I've given you. It's the only chance to save your friends when so far none of his friends have been hurt. Yeah. There's three pig men approaching with muskets that they don't seem to be able to aim with. <laughs> right. Well, also, Jordy is an acrobat. It's clear. Well, that that is true. Um, um, well, yeah, that that's all true. I When Riker first uses the power, I actually thought he was almost using it out of curiosity. <laughs> I think so too. The look on like, his face oh, is I got like, the, 
What? Yeah, okay. Oh. Oh, look what I did. Did you guys see what I did? I'm going to do a hand gesture that Q doesn't do. That's right. Oh, man. Oh, well, I've, I mean, we have so much to talk about about Riker in this episode. But he, him trying to put on the Q arrogance and, like, trying to sound smart. Jonathan Franks, dude, it just <laughs> shines through. He franks it. He starts to talk different when he becomes a Q and he sounds like such a moron. Uh, so at the at the top half, the sci-fi half, I guess, um, you've given it 15 points and I've given it 11. That's a so dominating It's already scored 26 points. Yeah. I will remind you that Dagger of the Mind scored 30. That's right. So off to a pretty good start. I think here is where it grinds to a halt, though, in the world Yeah, building. kind of the second half, they <laughs> kind of let it down a little bit. So world building. Uh, Klingons don't drink with their enemies, huh? Yeah. I bet but... that will always be true, and we'll never see, like, a neutral zone on Kronos where warring <laughs> factions are drinking together. And they're all criticizing they're like, Worf for not doing it. We're like, hey, Worf, come on, drink with your enemy. That's right, for tomorrow this we may die. This is what we do. This, yeah. is our, this is our main shit is we drink with our enemy. Right. Anyway, that'll probably never happen. Yep. I didn't even know where to put that in world building because of my knowledge. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. Uh, Q can suspend time, I guess. Right. Although, the way they describe it differently in the couple of different times it happens in this episode. But, like, they should know this because this is exactly what happened at Farpoint. Like, they're just on the battle bridge. And O'Brien's like, nope, so heading's the same as always. That's right. Farpoint right Station. Back, right back where we were supposed to be. Yep. Yeah. Um... Um, and, uh, we'll see it again later, but Q is fairly certain that human-like beings can advance to a higher state of existence. Right. So, that's kind of world-building. Um, but again, that's not much. That's a three for me. I only gave it a one. I had right. not much here at all, just how the Q view themselves versus humanity, really. I mean, that's, that was the only real new insight or anything that I gained out of this episode. You know that they're shitty because they call... They call where they live the Q continuum. Yeah. Well, what? The humans don't call it the the human continuum? The human galaxy? Haven't heard it yet. All right, okay. Well, I gave it a one on world building. Yeah. Not but anything. surely you must have done given it a better score for characterization, right? I gave it a big fat eight! Eight? <laughs> eight, son! All right, you ready to dump? I got this. is such a big let's, section. Let's go. I have such a huge section written out here. Okay. I, I gotta know. All right. Riker forgets about their mission of mercy as soon as they get beamed to that planet. Do you know that mission they were on the way to do at that colony? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's all, like, smirking about how it definitely won't be boring down there. And and it's like, Riker, you were on, like, a an emergency mission to save, like, thousands of colonists. What is the deal? People are dying down there. All you, like, your main job is to save as many lives as possible. It ain't gonna be fun. <laughs> He's just so pumped that Q has stolen them away from that mission and put them on this planet. He's just, he's fucking mugging the whole time like Spock. Um, yeah, I, by the way, I will remind you that you have given it an 8 for characterization and that's the first thing you said. Alright, but it's not the last thing I said. Okay. So Q can't drive a wedge in the first part of the episode, it seems. He can't drive a wedge between Riker and Picard, no matter how hard he tries. Like, he keeps trying to turn them against each other when he's on the bridge with talking to Picard. He's trying to turn them against each other. When he's on the planet with Riker, he's trying to turn them against each other. But he can't do it, because they're best buddies or something. Um, Riker has a hella proud stance after he uses the Q power to save the crew the first time. Yep. That's that's how I look after I make an awesome dookie joke. Yep. He was stand acting, for sure. It was amazing. 
Uh, again, Riker instantly gets pissy the first time he has to refuse to use his powers, instantly starts big-dogging Picard. But I have to admit, I don't find it cheesy or stupid. Q's Gambit, in the end, does kind of pay off, and he does divide them. Only the whole crew turning on Riker stops it from succeeding. And Riker is not a saint, which is a relief to me. Um, that's all Riker stuff. You gotta love Worf's sweet attitude, dumping that drink on the ground and throwing the glass. <laughs> and when he says something like, flim flam, it makes a lot more sense than when Data does it. Oh, for sure. Um, except that, also, that's a crazy situation. Like a super tense situation on the bridge, and this is going to be the time where you're going to question the word <laughs> flim flam. That's right. Like, look, look it up later. Uh, Yar is always at the fucking end of her rope. Like, just about to break down. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing it's because Turkana 4 sucked. Yeah, Turkana 4 sucks it. And then, obviously, oh, if you weren't a captain. Yeah. If he is creep, she's a creeper. Uh, yeah. Uh, Picard, uh, always big-dogging Riker, but you can see in this episode how much confidence he really has in him. He's so gleeful and happy when Q wants to face off against him. So it's Riker you're taking on this time. He's so happy. I didn't about have a it. clip cuz I knew I could do that impression. <laughs> yeah. There's something really effective about the interplay between Q and Picard too. I I actually really like that scene in Picard's ready room. Oh, yeah, where they're doing their little Shakespeare exchange where Q can't help but give away the game. Yeah. He he's like even though he's he likes to claim he's on omnipotent or whatever, he just like gets hella frustrated and stands up. And it's fucking shaking in his boots about what humanity is going to become or whatever. Um, which I find is useful to the audience without hammering them over the head. Listen, I remind you, Q gave away that he can probably be stunned with a phaser. Well, yeah, he did, because that Mendoza or whatever his name was, yeah. he went down. Uh, so, which is all I'm saying is Q is not good at uh, keeping stuff secret. It's in my quick hitters that Yar has a phaser trained on him for a very long time down on that planet. And she, still... She's... Just someone should just pull the trigger. Someone's right. got to do it. Still, nobody has tried to shoot him. Wait till he's angry or confused about something. Uh, and I had uh, Picard trying to be patient with Riker in the end, near the end of the episode, is like what I thought was the best performance of the week. Mm. <laughs> Picard well. just trying to try not to lose his shit on Riker because he knows how it's going to end anyway. Uh, silly Data doesn't want to describe the vicious animal things to Picard. Yeah. And he gives a very judgmental look at Riker for not saving that little girl. <laughs> it's extremely judgy. Yeah, well. Yeah. Anyway, I'll, overall I found it I found it everything that happened in there pretty effective. Again an 8. It's an 8. It's an eight. <laughs> I'm not taking it back. Well, I gave it a 4. Oh boy. Um I had some things to to say, I guess. Um uh, Riker's shit-eating grin is in full force in the early part of the episode. He cannot stop himself. Like, it's just it's just on. Um, but also, Tasha Yari is so horny. She's really horny. So, so horny. So horny. Yeah, that's true. Like, Picard is... Like base level nice to her. It's right, like the kind of nice you'd be to like a office coworker you see like once a week or something. Where right. like if you found her crying, you'd be like, "Oh, is everything okay?" And, and but she, uh, but no, she wants it. She wants it. She wants it bad. She wants it a lot. Um, Picard really just shouts through this whole episode. 
Yeah. This is a shouting episode for him. He shouts at Q in the beginning about their medical emergency. He shouts in his ready room. Uh, the only time he doesn't shout is when he's, uh, as you said, uh, when he's being patient with Riker on the bridge. Right. Oh, by the um, way, his patience is extraordinary because a straight-up half-naked Klingon woman gets beamed onto the bridge and he's just sitting in his chair looking at it. Yep. Doesn't even say anything. Uh, no emotions data is as surprised as I've ever been in my entire <laughs> life that Worf is at the third ridge. Something I noticed the last time I went through and watched these. The third ridge? <laughs> he both His eyes bug out of his face. And yeah, he cannot control the pitch or volume of his voice. He has voice modulation. Yeah. Um, Riker is morally certain he knows what the bridge crew wants most. Well, he keeps saying it, and I know what you want, my friend. Can I guess your wishes? Can I guess your desires? He he is so sure he knows what they want. Um, but then, boy, Worf's got some real deep-seated conflict about his heritage, huh? Like I said, he just shouts it at everybody. She is from a world now alien to me. Yeah, well, first he said, This is sex! But I have no place for it in my life. (laughs) He's just like, oh boy, we're all talking about this, huh? Okay. Imagine if you're like Lieutenant Junior Grade at the science station back there, just going, oh boy, oh boy. Oh, do you mean like Worf? (laughs) Yes, well, yes, in this example, that's Worf. But one of the ones Riker doesn't know. Yes. One of the guys who just kind of uh, is coming through the, the office. Yeah, I definitely would be like, oh, fuck, Q's here. Oh, Riker's going to give people gifts. I'm going to go to that bathroom that we never see that's right <laughs> off the bridge. I'm just going to hang out there for a little bit. I would be texting people like, oh, you have no idea what is happening up here right now. <laughs> oh, shit. 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 Riker just made Wesley a grown man. <laughs> you should see his lantern jaw. There's no way that punk bitch is going to look like that. That's what he thinks Wesley wants most, is to be a grown-up. <laughs> uh, Any more? Um, no, that's it for characterization. Um, okay. We gave this episode 42 points. Crushed it. Uh, most of, I mean, well, you gave it 24, I gave it 18. Um, that sounds like a lot. We actually gave the battle 43. Oh, God. And Justice 41. Oh, so it's right on So right it's on really right in line, like very consistent. Um uh, and consistently higher than the others these days, because again, they're they're giving us something to work with. Yeah, your contention is that. Well, look, we in the last two episodes, it was definitely the case that they just shouted what the episode was about at some yeah. point, uh, and in this one, they shouted your take. Yes, and they talked about my take, and I don't know. I guess they asked the question that Ben's take was. So. Right. Give us something to work with. You will score. Uh is this the first time Riker says schematics? He certainly says it blatantly. Right at the top of the episode. (laughs) Some schematics. Um, Q's magnificence, the way he appears, is three fucking cobras coming out of a bubble. (laughs) I saw that too! (laughs) Yeah, that's what he is. I guess that's an Aldebaran serpent. Do they fly? Oh, that's true. What sense does that animal make? Oh, okay, I get it. He was like, oh, you... I'm neither am I an Aldebaran serpent, but you you took me as one or whatever. Right, yeah, because Q talks weird. Oh yeah, here I have it. Is Q a crystal ball with three cobras on top? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a, This is one of the great continuity uh, episodes, so this may be your costume design, because there's the, the scene where Data is wearing a black, silver, and black pip. Yep. He's some kind of... I don't know what he is. 
fancy. He's a fancy commander down there. No, I just really had that Q's admiral's uniform is extremely ornate with lots of gold. Oh, yeah. He's got the golden fleece on there and a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, did you also... Uh, this is the first time that I've noticed... Uh, there's one shot where Riker is in profile and his communicator is like a, a full three-eighths of an inch off of his chest. Like hanging by the little way pin. out. He hasn't got um, it pinned tightly to his uniform. This episode, I mean, and and again, this episode contains this piece of writing. Games? <laughs> Did someone say game? And perchance for interest's sake, a deadly game. Okay, that um, is, this ho- is that's horrible dialogue and the very John Delancey performance of it as well. This episode is plagued by the first season writing. Yeah. Uh, Tasha says of the penalty box oh to Picard, it sounds strange, but it definitely isn't. <laughs> it's not strange at all to be in some kind of cosmic penalty box. That's a normal thing. All right. It's not strange, Captain Picard. Just she is so strange. sure. It's definitely not strange. <laughs> right. Um. Do you remember that we discovered that the story of Dr. Crusher leaving the show was that the head writer thought she was a bad actress? Well, I mean, he was right. Uh, no, oh, look, he's not wrong. <sighs> but the head writer? Yeah. Other comments? If I may, sir? <laughs> One of the things about them in the briefing studies was their respect for patients. All right, well, I should have told you to get a clip from this episode, because I have a piece of, of bad writing as well. Uh, it sounds strange, but it definitely isn't. I have, ah, the redoubtable Commander Riker, whom I noticed before. That's right. Yes. So I just wrote, yep. oh no, the monster is back. <laughs> yep. The terrible dialogue monster. The redoubtable Commander Riker, who I noticed before. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Yeah. Really yeah, um, it's, it's sad that someone lost their job because of the word of the guy who wrote this nonsense. Yeah, well, look, all right. Nothing... I know the writers. I know there's a such as a writers' room, and he. I'm sure he didn't write all of the dialogue. But come on, is anything as sad as the amount of time in our lives that we have spent on this show nope. full of untalented people? Nope, not at all. Actors, at all. writers, whoever. <laughs> um. Data tells them that the muskets are accurate to at most 100 meters. Mm. Uh, but then no one gives a shit when the pigmen are 80 feet away. No, they just kind of stand there. Like, he told you for sure that those rifles could hit you. Yep. Yeah. Um, why are they animal things? Why are they not, like, why are they not just aliens you don't know the name of yet, you racists? Oh, yeah, they're not very nice about it, are they? No, they're like, there's some kind of vicious animal things. You'd be like, I don't know, dog. They look a lot like Tellarites to me. They actually kind of do. They might just be Tellarites in weird continental uniforms. Yeah, dog. Hey, you got some Tellarites and he dressed them up like Napoleonic soldiers. Yeah. And not no, that... they're vicious animal things. <laughs> I was going to say, not only that, they double down. Because yeah. Data is completely unable to describe them later. Yeah, Data on the bridge is like, now if I told you about these guys, you would gag. All you of would, you would gag. You would seriously lose your shit. And if one of you threw up, then everyone would throw up. <laughs> um, are you sure that girl's dead, Beverly? Yeah. Her eyelids are fluttering, and you didn't even look at your tricorder. Yeah, well, maybe She was... gives her, like, a light touch on the arm and goes, oh, no, she's dead. I think it was one of those Chakotay things where she was trying to um, not use the tricorder to disturb her. 
Yeah, no, she's sensitive. I get that. But like, Jordy could see that she was trapped under those rocks. I'm guessing she she was still warm. That's right. Like, nothing? Just You're just going to touch her on the arm and go, oh, no, she's, uh, she's gone. Yeah. Yeah, not great. It's not good medicine. Um, When Riker is trying to convince the bridge that he's a good guy and Q shows up dressed as a monk, do you think Riker was like, come on, man, can't you be cool for a second? <laughs> hey, you're not making this easier. Like, one second. Like, I'm trying to tell these guys. And you show up here as a monk. Yeah, and it's somebody they have a, already a bad history with. It's like, yeah. come on, dog. Try um, a little. Hey, Doug, what if Wesley's secret wish is to come out as gay and Riker doesn't want to blow it for him? So he makes him that obviously gay adult, but then he's like, you're grown up. Look how grown you up you wish. are. Look how much time you spend at the gym. Hmm? It's amazing. Notice, notice I gave you a real good manicure. <laughs> Hmm? Got a good tan. Oh, but huh? also he keeps his weird Wesley voice. Yep, Wesley voice, big man's body. Do you think that Picard is pissed that everyone thinks of him as the Shakespeare guy? Um, Picard, like, the character, or Patrick Stewart? No, Picard. Like, he doesn't seem upset about it. He's got to do this whole Shakespeare thing with Q. Then they go out on the bridge, and Data's like, as one of the captain's favorite authors would say, and he's like, okay. Like, you guys all know I'm into Dixon Hill, right? <laughs> yeah, guys. We'll find out about yes, that soon. I have that Globe Illustrated Shakespeare on my desk. That's really just more of, like, ornamentation. I, but I it's like, it's a cool. it's the kind of big book you put on your desk. Um, so, yeah, I just think, you know, like, like learn one other thing about the guy <laughs> other than Shakespeare. Right. Uh, Riker should have stopped after Jordy turned him down, right? I have, Did he think it's so that... Weird. Did he think that his sex Klingon was going to turn the whole thing around? It's so weird that I like had... He's like, oh, they're not going for it. They're not going for it. I gave Jordy his sight, and he's like, put me back the way I was. Please. <laughs> yeah. I have the same note. Not sure why Riker keeps going after keeps going yeah. after the first few rejections. I'd he's be... like, okay, hang on, Worf. <laughs> I'd be real disappointed and ready to go to my quarters. Worf, check out this lot. Come on. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. Look what I did. I gave her some sweet fish nets. This is looking good. <laughs> uh, Doc, what would Yar's gift have been? I'm so glad we didn't get Hold there. Hold on. Would it have been the same click on sex woman? <laughs> it's probably. She, well, once she saw her, you know, she was yeah. in. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, I could see out of the corner of my eye. I now know what your wish would be. <laughs> yeah, he would say real grandly. And I know what you want, my friend. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I had some quick hitters. Um... So, I mean, they're like half of them are from that last scene. That's the best scene of the episode for sure. Riker's gift giving. Like you, um, like you said at the beginning of your summary, Troy got dropped off somewhere, a la Keiko O'Brien. Yes. Very important. We know when they are not in the episode. In case yep. the, all the Troy fans want to tune out, gives them the opportunity. That is not even like this. Is not an episode <laughs> where if Troy had been around, her senses would have changed anything about anything. Yeah, can she read Q? I, I, I actually, I don't know. In episode she one... She might be able to. Doesn't <laughs> matter. In episode one, she might have been able to. Like, Picard knew exactly what was going to be hard about being given Q powers to for Riker. Like, she she could have been in the episode or not, but they make, they do make a big deal out of saying at the beginning that she's on vacation. Yeah. Um, I think this is the only time Picard ever calls Q out for the shit that he's done to them. 
Maybe he gives up on that because Q is not phased by it in the least. Well, listen, after this, this is the last time Q is sinister. Well, there's the Borg thing. The Borg yeah, thing maybe he, is the last time. Yeah, not that long from now. A year from now, he's going to send uh, he's gonna send them to fight the Borg and 18 of them get killed. And Picard goes, you killed 18 of my crew. And he goes, meh. Yeah, it's true. But <laughs> you again seized my vessel. Seized my vessel. <laughs> and that angered you did it. Uh, very John Delancey performance throughout this one. Yep. He is, he is in full fucking form. I mean, listen, I fucking, I hate Q and I hate every Q episode, but uh, you, you, no one else could do it. That's right. Like, I uh, I know we do fantasy recasting. Not even Reginald Val Johnson makes sense. That's right. And he is as reserved as the number one spot for every casting call. Forever. Um, Picard looks so lonely after everybody gets beamed away. Oh, yeah. He does not like being up there. It's like padding around the bridge, like, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll play Animal Crossing? I don't know. We missed a scene, right, where he jacked it right onto Riker's chair. <laughs> Probably. I assume he's done that a few times. I'm going to put my balls on all of these consoles. <laughs> uh, now, nah, Data would know. Data would know a ball print. By the way, it appears Q can read Data's thoughts. I don't know if you were aware of that. He does that in this episode. I, I wasn't specific in my notes, but he uh, he's able to tell what Data is thinking about things. Um, yeah, we talked about the Klingon proverb, drink not with thine enemy. That that doesn't sound quite right, but whatever. Um, oh, also there's uh that must explain why you beat them. Did they beat the Klingons? Is that what we're calling what happened at Praxis? Uh, is that like winning the Cold War? Uh, well, first of all, that hadn't happened yet. Well, it had happened in his in Star Trek history. Yes. It had happened in Star Trek history, but it hadn't happened in. So again, we try not to penalize things for stuff that gets changed by later work. Right. But I'm trying to figure out what he means by that. Are, at this point in the show, are we supposed to think they had a giant space war in the Federation One, and that's why Worf is there or something? I'm confused about it. It's not clear. I and I don't know that they've said anything yet that would make you think that, like, they just eventually worked it out and now they are at peace. Maybe I should have put this Which in I think is how we're supposed to eventually feel. Mm. Is that diplomacy won the day. But so far, I think the only Klingon we've seen in this series has been Worf and the sex lady. <laughs> yep, that's true. And again, I don't know if the what he was trying to say was Worf is there because the Federation beat them or something. Yeah. That's almost what it made it sound like. Do we even know at this point that Worf was adopted by humans? I'm not sure if it's come up. I do not think he has said it yet. Yeah. Um, Picard is sitting there struggling with his captain's log. Can't even make a captain's log. And then Yar says over his shoulder, I wish I could help you, Captain. Help him what? Make a log entry? What? Yeah, she wants to be his sex yeoman. I'm just confused. She, like... she read about them on Turkana 4, and that's why she joined Starfleet. Is... I know she wanted to announce herself, announce her presence, but that's such a weird thing to say. I wish I could help you make that log. Uh... Q, uncharacteristically nice when he declares Yar's penalty over after two minutes. She, she goes to the penalty box, she cries for a minute with Picard, he beams up and he goes, alright, your penalty's over. We've talked about this, right? Q's lonely? He's hella lonely. There's no. He's real lonely? Um, third Ridge, we talked about. Uh, great musical score in this episode, including throwing in La Marseillaise in there. Yep. <laughs> Just uh, all up in it. It's got that same season one sound design, though. Yes. Is Jordy everybody's first target when they're trying to shoot because he's black or because he's blind? 
Yeah, I don't know because he's the littlest member of the away team. You'd think, like, Riker would be the best target. Or maybe Big Lumbering Wharf. Shoot for the big guy first, you know? Some of the scenes where Wharf is running around out there, he is really lumbering. Yeah, this is, um... This is not uh this is not an episode where uh LeVar Burton demonstrates like a dancer's grace or physical prowess. I mean, he, he kinda scampers in the in the brief scene in that cavern. Like right. trying not to step in that puddle. Right. <laughs> or like true. slip slip and fall down that ramp or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Worf straight shouts, drop your weapons, when he thinks the enemy has fired. Like, that's yep. a, that security training is going to prove a hindrance here, because you're not going to arrest those guys. They are yeah, exactly. Them. They're not going to drop their weapons, Worf. They're just all going to turn and shoot you. They are the opposing army on this battlefield. You this cannot a, arrest you, them. That's right. This is, this is a battle now. Yeah. For a minute, Q is Riker's Obi-Wan. So he's telling him from far, from, from mystical places to use his powers. Yep. He does Obi-Wan him a little bit. Uh, choosing to adopt humans rather than wipe them all out, like to take one in and make them part of the continuum, seems to indicate that they're not... that they're actually a lot more enlightened than the the actual Q that's always bugging Picard. I think we've seen before the idea that Q might be the worst Q. <laughs> yeah, and I think we'll definitely see it moving forward. And this episode, obviously at the end he gets punished. Yep. Uh, I think, yeah, you're starting to see that he is just kind of a dick. But they they have they have like kind of an enlightened idea, well more enlightened than they would need to be. They could just wipe out all humans, Kevin Uxbridge style, you know. I mean, we assume that they can. Yeah. Again, we never get the power rankings. No, we don't know who's stronger. Who's stronger? Like a Dowd, Q, or, uh, a Dowd, yeah. um, the guy in Transfiguration, Nagilum, Nagilum. Yeah, who is the strongest? Like, there's a lot of these guys around. The Edo Guardian. Oh, yeah, he's pretty powerful, too. Caretaker from Voyager. Yeah, he seems... Like, I, I guess we didn't see him at full strength. He's pretty feeble at the end. He was dying. Yeah. Anyway, like, there's a lot of these fools running around in the galaxy. Uh, we, don't, we don't really... Like, the Q might not be that strong. That could be. Um, When Worf is getting stabbed, why is Wesley the only one to come to his aid? Yeah, that's weak. What? I mean, I guess they all know they're going to get bayoneted if they go there. <laughs> but it's like, why does the seven, the sixteen-year-old kid or fifteen or whatever he's supposed to be rush out there? No, no one even tries to stop him. They're just like, oh no. Oh, uh, by the way, were you like, oh yeah, Wesley's in this episode? Like, he's that's his first appearance is when the larger group gets beamed down there. He straight up shows up and he's like, "What's going on? I was studying or whatever." I was in class. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, I remember him. Oh, I guess he wasn't on vacation with Counselor Troy. Um, did we already talk about Riker's performance as a Q? I th- I have him as worst actor of the week. Um, <laughs> Brent Spiner giving Data an emotional monologue in that scene on the bridge is a bad choice. It is a bad choice. He's extremely emotional in that monologue. Um, again, we have to hear about how beautiful Yar is. Yeah. I'm surprised Denise Crosby left the show because it must have been a huge ego boost. It must have been. Every week. Uh, and Yar is I- so fuckable. I like the idea that Jordy was just like, like she's she's like twenty four seven horny. Let me just do a little groundwork here. <laughs> That's right. Oh, you're oh you're so you're really beautiful like, and really sad. Like, oh yeah, God, you guys all look weird now that I can see. Hey, I heard she's horny when she's sad. That's so what was Turkana four like? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, you suppose there's internet video of Worf 
instead of screaming about the Klingon, just screaming, stop, I'm not ready to do the wild thing? Because <laughs> for a second I, I thought that's what he was going to say. I mean, yeah, something like that. Uh, I've never been very happy at all with everybody watching that Klingon thing and Jordy just yelling whatever pops into his head, awful oh, yeah. judgment. Worf! <laughs> Is this your this idea sex? of sex? Is this your idea of sex? It's like, relax, dude. How about getting a fucking filter, Jordy? Good God. Uh, hey, like, this isn't embarrassing enough for everybody? Hey, Doc. Worf didn't cause this. <laughs> yeah, yell at Riker. Like, be cool for a second. God. It's just, that's what I'm saying about Jordy, man. He's, I'm, I'm glad that later on they don't let him talk so much, because <laughs> he's a fucking asshole. Uh, it is true, by the way, Will, and we'll come to this in, I don't know, 15 episodes or who, who knows. Uh, we do see the exact moment that Worf loses his virginity, so he may just not be ready for the wild thing. That's what I'm saying. Don't pressure him so much in front of everybody like that. It's so mean. <sighs> Alright, that's all I had. Uh, best actor, worst actor. Uh, best actor is Please, Jordy. <laughs> okay. Like, he's he's asking him to take his eyesight away again, and I think... LeVar Burton did a good job there. And that's not that surprising. He was one of only two actors that had an actual career before this show. <laughs> that's right. So, you know, he was young, but he'd already done Roots. Yeah. Um, oh, worst actor, uh, casual touch to tell if a girl is dead, Beverly. <laughs> she she might win that award a lot. She's barely even in the episode. She still won it. Yeah. That's saying something. Well, I mean, I did give a worst actor the other week for is Tasha Yar in this episode. So. <laughs> All right, we did it. We're through two. Yeah, yeah, we are. Um, for what it's worth, Ben gave this a twenty-four, same as you. Oh, okay. He just had him distributed a little, a little uh, more evenly. All right. Uh, he had bestest Picard and worst as Riker. Okay. Uh, and then honorable mention for Q, but Q's supposed to be basically comical, which I think is the same take that you have, right? Yes. He knows he knows what he's doing. Right. Um. So again, total this week uh, of 42 points. Right. The leader in the clubhouse. Leader in the clubhouse. Um. But this week we also watched Move Along Home. That's what this episode deserves. <laughs> it's back. <laughs> move along. Move along home. Uh, aliens come to the station from the Gamma Quadrant. They're way into games, and after Quark cheats them at Dabo, they tell him the only way to make it up to them is to play a new game, one where the players are the station's senior staff and the stakes are crazy high. Whoops, turns out it was just a damn game and there were no stakes. Everybody's fine. Yeah. The last line of mine is, will Quark learn a nice lesson? <laughs> exactly correct. What, so what was your wonderful take on this? Uh, cheaters never prosper. Oh, really? That's what yeah. I had, too, and that's what we had on a different episode a few weeks ago. That's uh, a two. Yeah, that is exactly what I gave it. I gave it a two. Yeah, look, it's cheaters never prosper. Um, I, I spent some time on it, and, like, is there something deeper happening here? But there just, oh. there just isn't. Like, oh. it doesn't tie into Cisco's B-plot about being a dad at all. No. In fact, I found myself asking in some of those Jake scenes, why is Jake in this episode? What does this have to do with anything? Yep, and the the very light <laughs> character work of, again, 
Dax and Cisco have a past. Uh, like, there's nothing in any other part of this episode that has any kind of message nope. other than don't do a cheat. Yep. Like, don't do a cheat. Yeah, the whole episode is elaborate emotional payback for Quark's cheating. Um, so I'm glad you and I agree. Uh, Ben's take on this episode was uh, games are supposed to be fun and gambling perverts the purpose. Oh, boy. Which I guess. Wow. I guess maybe. Um, all right. Hold on. Let me just think about that. There, there is one. There is one thing that supports <laughs> that. And we talk about this in a minute. But like the Wadi don't even take their money when they leave. No, that's true. They aren't interested in it. That's they not... just leave it scattered on the table. It's the love of the game, man. That's why the Wadi show up. Um, but yeah, no, it's cheaters never prosper, right? Yeah. Anyway, he also thought that was a two, so we all agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had, this is so basic and frivolous, it can't score many points. And it's like, nobody thinks that, that cheating is good. Right. So, it's not a message that we need. Agreed. Uh, like, I know we did a revenge is bad episode well, it, or two, but it's like, we do still glorify revenge. We don't really glorify cheating. Yeah, in the, in the, the battle, right? That was the one... Yes. Revenge is an unprofitable venture or whatever. Yes. That was all handled much better. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Um, how do you think they did with it? I gave him a one. Mm. I said, nobody mm. paid for anything. It was all fake. Quark will forget this shit happened by tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. He'll prosper just fine. Uh, no, yeah, it's a three for me. So, <laughs> But similarly, there turned out to be no stakes. <laughs> and in the end, the Wadi don't even take their winnings. So really, Quark comes out pretty ahead. That's what I'm saying. Because I assume he's still got all them jewels in his pocket. He may have even kept that game. Who knows? I don't even remember. Did he, no, keep, like, did he just, keep Chula? It, it disappeared back into the void, so he doesn't get to play Chula. All right. Okay. Well. Uh, I don't have anything else to say. No. This may be the only time we managed to do a fast <laughs> walkthrough of an episode, because this episode is butts. Yep. Um, By the way, I had a lot of fun watching the episode. I I I legitimately had fun watching it while simultaneously noting it was probably the worst episode I've seen. There's like one fun scene and it's the hopscotch scene. <laughs> uh, uh and and Quark saying he doesn't need any more sticks or he's got <laughs> enough sticks. That's right. Uh that's pretty good too and everything that Fallow does is pretty great. Fallow's pretty amazing. I kind of have a crush on Fallow now. Yeah. He's, he's Um great. First of all, he's the master surgeon of the Wadi. He is. Uh, surgeon might just mean asshole. I'd like to call him a third level grandmaster surgeon. Is that yeah. possible? Um, but no. The, so there, the, there is one fun scene because everybody loves Cisco. No one told him he had to do it. Uh, Caribbean style sing song. <laughs> he just does his own thing. Alamarine, I count to four. Alamarine. And then three more. He's like, hella speeds up the tempo and everything. It, it's finished at the end with Major Kira's I Can't Believe I'm Doing This rendition. Alamarine, count to four. Alamarine, then three more. Yep. Uh, so that's that scene is fun. Yeah. All even right. though it has Bashir in it. I don't even know what to say about him. Uh, yeah, no, it's better to watch than it is as a piece of art. It is not art. It's definitely not art. Um, but Matt, did you think they did any world building at all? Well, let's see. There's the Wadi. They're new. Uh, there's such a thing as the third chap. And <laughs> also Chula. I give it a one. <clears throat> I give it a one for world building. Uh, I see you were not inclined to give this episode any credit. What can but I say? Right, there's I, what, not a lot. What happened in here? They met a race from the other side. That would be cool if you talked about it at all, if anything happened. No. 
Nothing. Uh, so then why do you have that weird holodeck transporter? Yeah. Like, that's weird. They have Chula. They have Chula. Uh, I, but we'll never see that again. Um, there's some stuff here about there's regular travel for Bajoran civilians and families to the station. Right. Like, Jake's going down there to look at the girls. Okay, yeah, ships show so, like, up. There's like a regular commerce between the planet and the station. That's not much, but it's something. Okay. We'll see that. We'll see that a lot more later when they decide that maybe something about Bajor might be interesting and they could make some episodes about it. <laughs> like the writers. You know, like if there. they hadn't jumped the shark 15 minutes into the series. <laughs> the writers are sitting there going, well, we don't have anything else to write about. And they go, wait, aren't they like hovering Bajor? over a planet? We what should... if there's like religion down there? Like... And uh, I mean, we've, we've seen their gods. People live on that planet, right? Yeah, you know, there's probably like priests and stuff like they probably elect a new pope. <laughs> we should figure this out. Yeah, if only um, they started off with that. Also, I guess Deep Space Nine still only has one teacher. I gave it a two. Okay. It's not scoring well. We're already through three categories. That was quick. What What is the score right now? Uh, so far, I have given it seven points, and you've given it four points. That's not good. So, for three quarters of the way through, it's not good, but maybe characterization will turn it around. Oh, no, I gave it a two also. <laughs> um, Why would the sex criminal and mercenary contact Quark? Right care so much about the command staff why is this hitting him so hard i could not figure it out like did they forget that they've made him bad for the last few weeks like he's seriously shady part of me wonders if the (coughs) 90s were different and the things that he's doing that are really bad maybe weren't enough back then to tilt him past lovable criminal i mean he for sure arranged uh the theft of a serious medicine that keeps an entire population alive yes he did and also he has contracts with his Dabo girls that he gets to sex them. Yes. Right. Okay, just just making sure. And I'm saying maybe in 1993 or whatever, people were just like, he's so lovable. And maybe now if you put out that same plot, they'd go, that guy's pretty bad. Anyway, there's not much else. Cisco's a dad, who cares? Yep. He's racist about Nog. Yeah, he is. That's not good. Right. Uh, and, um, you know, da- Dax and Cisco have a past... Mm-hmm. Anyway, I gave it a two. Um, how did you score it for characterization? I gave it a two. <clears throat> Ooh. Every episode begins with a reminder, by the way, that Bashir sucks. Oh, yeah. This time it was that he had forgotten his dress uniform. But yep. again, it's like they want they really want to make sure that you know at the beginning of each episode who is the worst. It's Bashir. Uh, Cisco keeps telling Jake that he's not ready to do the wild thing yet. And Cisco in general is a real fucking downer. And this is just keeps going from episode to episode. His only speed <laughs> is dickhole. Yep. <laughs> he did have one effective line delivery, which was not the character or the writer's credit. That's just to Avery Brooks's credit. When they're in that chasm, and she's like yelling, and Dax is yelling at him about how emotions aren't supposed to affect command decisions, and he finishes it for her, and he goes, affect command decisions, and he goes, yeah, I've heard that one before. Yep. Uh, okay. I always like when one of these actors suddenly delivers a line the way a human would say <laughs> Exactly. You know this what? This is why I gave Picard best actor the other week for, hey, I'm really getting into this. I think it's better that they only every once in a while do it, because then I can really appreciate it. If yeah. they were good actors, I, I might just, you know, I might be desensitized. Dog, um, I added it up. Well, hold oh, on. sorry. Hold on. Did you know Let's... Kira's Bajoran? Yeah. <laughs> She, you know, she's an administrator specifically. She's this, a- by the way, this this is, must be the line that inspired uh, George Lucas to write 
Queen Amidala or Senator Amidala saying, <laughs> I'm, I'm a, a senator. senator. <laughs> I can't have a boyfriend. Don't you know how being a senator works? She didn't sign up for this, Matt. She's a, I'm a Bajoran administrator. <laughs> Dog, you're a, a very recently ex-terrorist. <laughs> That's right. You can't handle this weird game? Uh, she's also extremely cranky and not fun to watch at all. Yeah. Uh, don't worry, though, because Dax is still nothing. <laughs> yeah. Still nothing at all. She'd leave him behind, she says, and no one believes it. And I and I also had, is Quark acting like he's crushed about all this so that Fallow will just be nicer to him? Or is it to make Odo happy because Odo's in the room? Because he's obviously, uh, pre- he's pretending to be devastated, right? I don't know, but it definitely, uh, like, Fallow definitely is disgusted by this display. <laughs> yeah, that's not cool. You don't, you don't play like that in the middle of a game on, this? on the Wadi homeworld. You don't, you don't play like that at all. This is not, that's not Chula. There's no crying in Chula. That's exactly correct. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> Where are the games? Uh, that's all and I had his for... his buddy leans in and says, say Quarks. <laughs> yes, Quarks. Quarks. Take us to I want to go to Quarks. quarks. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, I wish yes. I could give characterization yes. points. Yeah. But I cannot. Yeah, for sure. That guy, that guy made the episode more entertaining. That's it. That's all I had for that. Uh, I have a couple of quick hitters. Not so many in this one. Uh, is Fallow making a dramatic point of some kind by offering the sticks and the juice first? Like, he knows he's got a huge pouch of gems, right? Yeah, I do feel like he's definitely playing up to it. Also, no. are we pretty sure that Clompeaks are dildos? I'm on like a, they have many uses. Why would you say that? He that says way? it in such a gross way. He he definitely says it. He says it like a pervert from the race we're going to talk about in the next episode. <laughs> That's right. Exactly correct. Um, yeah, for sure. Like, but by the way, the only use we see them doing beating them together, yep. and then one guy like waves them in the air like chopsticks. I think just to show off. I've had sushi. This is like 1995. <laughs> That's right. This extra. I've was had really sushi, proud. guys. You know what these look like? They look like these things called chopsticks. Have you heard of them? I, I go to an international restaurant every once in a while. Guys, it's raw fish, but you can eat it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Clompeaks. Mm-hmm. Um, the Wadis seem to just leave all their Latinum behind at the end of the episode. Um, but I guess they do still have their Clompeaks. That's true. They never really traded anything. And all of the juice that Quark didn't drink. Also, like, can we get some idea what's wrong with that juice? Yo, how is it bad exactly? Yeah, tell us something about it, because... Um, I don't know, man. It's juice. Like, he says it's priceless. What does that mean? That's true. He doesn't explain what's so great about the juice. What's so great about the juice, and also what's so bad about the juice. Um, okay, I just... just like, popped in. He should say to him, I-, I have a replicator. I'm not buying juice. <laughs> this just popped into my head. It's not on my quick hitters, but... Uh, so, the first time someone came through the wormhole, Cisco really hastily sent O'Brien down to do the first contact... Because O'Brien's kind of a dullard, and that was his good idea for first contact with that Tosk guy. Well, it was because O'Brien already had a good rapport with him. Yeah, yeah, it was because Cisco's yeah. the worst at first contact, which we then uh, this is confirmed in this episode. He it is the worst not, at first it was contact. Was not dress uniforms and a reception. Oh but then God. they didn't know that guy was coming. But still, like, you could have gone down there. That's what I'm saying. In that episode, it was like, oh wow, you're really you're doing a really bad job on this. You just sent O'Brien it- down. 
And then in Important this one, to remember that Cisco doesn't want to be there and that this was not considered a good assignment and that it must be a clerical error that he hasn't been replaced. That's what I'm saying. Like, okay, now that you're starting to have like first contact procedures, we're supposed to believe that's like the most important thing a Starfleet officer can do or whatever. And yeah. Cisco's in there looking bored as shit, letting Quark do all the talking and like, sitting at- there and really like sarcastically going, take the juice. At this point, Necheyev should be in there, right? Yeah! She's like the admiral in charge of this sector. Exactly correct. Somebody else needs to be in there, if not to command the station, at least to do this part, because he is the worst. There's diplomacy and shit. Like, Riva should be there. That's that's correct, yeah. the only guy we know. Bring a dedicated ambassador, shit. I mean, not Jameson's dad, so it can't be him. It's gotta be Riva. Yeah, exactly. Oh, or Kyle Riker should Uh, be there. Is Riva... Oh, Riva lived. All his his chorus died. His chorus ate it. His chorus beefed it. You know, he's probably still teaching him sign language down there on that planet. It's taken a long time. (laughs) But Kyle Riker, right? Like he's in the he's in the diplomatic service somehow. That would be nice. I'd like to see him again. Oh well. Uh, Anyway, go on with your quick hitters. I just, I was just. No, that's it. I didn't have much. Okay. This Uh, episode's butts. So, is there a payoff for Bashir losing his dress uniform, or did the wardrobe department blow it, and then they came up with that meaningless explanation? Uh, yeah who knows i don't it never it doesn't matter anymore in the episode the the night is make, uneventful they all go to their quarters it doesn't make any sense right like you're in the replicator universe yep i don't know i just didn't understand what the whole point of that scene was unless it was I, just I, to I show that he's have, a dummy we have seen and i think by this point in some of the Worf and alexander episodes that the replicator is also used to dispose of things. That's like, true. you're not doing laundry. You're putting your uniform in there and replicating a new one. Yeah. So... But he couldn't find his dress uniform, dude. Make a dress uniform. I didn't get I didn't get the whole scene. Um, I had best actor Fallow, or does the belt remain with Quark? That's my it's question. Quark. Uh, so I have Quark, okay. uh, because I just... I, I know I gave, in the very first one, I gave it to Ruck. <laughs> right. But, but you don't like, like I, to give it to it. I don't like to give it to the episode of the week okay. character. But yeah, it would be Fallow, but it's I think it's Quark. Um, Underling Broik is another Monster Factory character. <laughs> yeah, Broik looks terrible. Broik's hard to look at. Also, um, you, bought, you brought Broik in here yep. to cheat. <laughs> yes. Your Dabo tables have a built-in cheating mechanism that has avoided... Has evaded all Starfleet detection for the last God knows how long. Right. He gets caught cheating the second time by a guys who it's their first day in the quadrant. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. It's, uh... like, Broik really fucked the dog. Quark p- p- should have really fired him. Did he accidentally call him Cheater Broik? You're, uh, <laughs> let me bring in Cheater Broik here. <laughs> uh, okay, and we already talked about it a little bit, but no point to any of the Cisco Jake stuff in the entire episode. Like, there's no. no reason to be laying groundwork for, like, Jake Nog relationship stuff, is there? I don't think so. Why would you bother? Just show us that later when it's relevant. Right. We know, we already know Jake hangs out with Nog. Quark just comes out and says that Hollow Sweets are for sex in this episode. Yep. He'd been hinting at it for a while, but in this episode, he's explicitly clear about it. Hollow Sweets are for sex. That's what you get in these lesser Star Treks. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Chula seems like less of a game and more of a technology demonstrator, as far as I can tell. There's not Um, a lot of game in it. Uh, Well, so it's, um, it shoots and ladders. That's why it's called Chula, by the way. Oh, well, that makes sense. It's three-dimensional shoots and ladders. Uh, Uh, But yeah, it's not a game. Like, 
the hopscotch puzzle is trivial. I mean, it's on the second shaft, but still. Right. It's what you would put in there to be like, here's what you could do with this technology. You might be able to play games. The party scene from Labyrinth is <laughs> uh, is also, uh, it's pretty clear what you're supposed to do there. Every single person is telling you to drink. Yeah, you might as well go ahead and play that. They At one point, they walk into a real foggy room with a lot of drinks. <laughs> This was the music playing in my head during that scene. But I'll be there for you. <sighs> not one of David Bowie's... Uh, well, not one of the ones you felt was worth showing me. No, it is it extremely not worth demonstrating. But they walk in there and it hella reminds me of the terrible scene from the labyrinth where she's at an imaginary cocktail party or whatever. Um, then the, the sacrifice cave part doesn't make any goddamn sense. Like, yeah. did the thing just keep shaking until they fell in the pit? Uh, yeah, because they didn't advance after that, did they? No, that was the end of the game. Yeah. Also, like, the computer is going to choose one to sacrifice, but I guess if they don't accept the sacrifice, then they all lose? Like, that's not super clear. It wasn't made clear to Quark, certainly. Like, he did not do a good job of explaining the rules. Also, it's pretty shitty that you have to learn the rules as you go along. That's, that's one true. of the rules of Chula. That's right. You know, You don't get to know him up front. Uh, the game was smart enough to read that Cisco thinks he should be in his uniform with a tricorder, though. Yep. Yeah, tri- a full-on tricorder. Yeah. I did not really understand how it did that, other than just weird mind-reading and then also interpolating a lot of what was happening in his Because he was in his PJs. Yeah. But then it being in there in his regular uniform, not the dress uniform they saw him in, and with a tricorder in his holster. So. Yep. Well, I don't know, whatever. Uh, worst actor, Bashir again? Maybe, hold on, maybe he sleeps with a tricorder... <laughs> maybe he sleeps with a tricorder because he's been hearing uh, voices. voices whispers yeah, yeah, yeah whispers for sure just like in cause and effect just like in cause and effect <laughs> i had worst um, actor bashir but you tell me yeah worst actor i have where's my dress uniform bashir his nightmare yells are fucking ridiculous um so uh i gave this one nine you gave it six ben gave it 11 he hated it too um I wasn't done. Okay. Fallow does his best Super Mario Brothers dance the first time Cisco sees him and the door's closing and he's shouting move along home. He does a straight Captain Lou Albano dance. Oh, he does. Uh, Keiko is still on Earth. They keep telling us this and I'm starting to think that they're building up to something major. I think... Okay, like, hold on a second. Like, I don't I don't want to recast Fallow because he's so perfect, <laughs> but a Captain Lou Albano Fallow <laughs> would have been pretty good. Could work. Especially back then. That's the right era. I, I mean, you know, approximately. That could work. I mean, I don't think he could pull off the... Yes. 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 <laughs> Where are the games? Where are the games? Uh, but am I right, though? They told us again Keiko's on Earth. Yep, yep. And it's to explain that O'Brien's still gone. But, but couldn't they say... They could say that O'Brien's gone, though, right? They could say that O'Brien left on a shuttlecraft to visit his mom or whatever the fuck they say about Troy. Uh, She's uh, at a conference. I forget. I'm just saying, is Keiko like, going to become Empress of Earth and Mars or something? Like, is, this must be a major no, no. plot point. Cause she's up... there because her mom turned 100. I know! It doesn't make sense! It's continuity. Like, ordinarily we would reward that, but it's so stupid. But I'm saying the reason they keep telling us, surely they're building up to something very important. A plot point that will matter. I, yeah. I feel confident about it. No, it's, I mean, it's a fucking throwaway line. They don't even do it in the captain's log. Jake's just like, no, school's closed because Keiko's not here. Ugh. Uh, Lieutenant Primmon, still here in this episode. I did not remember him being a recurring character. That's his last appearance, but yes. Good. 
he he does not distinguish himself in this episode either. No. He's like, oh yeah, no one showed up. Yeah, I just thought it was because they were all drunk. That's normal. They're all hungover. How well, many... I mean, Cisco probably does run the station on island time, right? Like, he doesn't want to be there. He doesn't care. Well, that's certainly how it appeared when he was at Quark's. Um, how many hours did that poor child actress have to do Ella Moraine? Oh, you think they did a bunch of takes? Well, even... well, first of all, it probably took her an hour to learn that dumb rhyme. That's what I'm saying, Step And the one. little dance and the hopscotch? And that scene itself is like five minutes of her just doing that. Yeah, and she there's comes no... with a lot in that scene. I don't think they got it done in one take. Maybe they did. She probably... There are probably some nights where she can't sleep because she's just doing the rhyme in her head. Exactly correct. Dax very seriously pointing out to Bashir that he didn't say the rhyme. Yeah. Yikes. Which, by the way... Is very stupid. It's just... Also, the rhyme doesn't mean anything. No. Like, it's not telling you how many steps to skip. Nope. Like, so the fact that it's just something you have to say as you do it is very dumb. Yes. Um, Cisco's Alamarine is still delightful, though. Yep, of course. Uh, there's no but way... But it's so early in the episode. That's what bummed me out about it. Oh, that you looked... Because I knew you... it was all downhill from there. You saw you still had 20 minutes left and you went, oh, yeah. fuck... Um, there's no way I would have connected the four pieces on the 3D board with the four missing crew members in real life. Nope. They would have been like, they're missing. I don't know. Like, oh, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. Ask someone else. Quark instantly goes, four? There's four yeah. pieces on this board. Also, the I would have been like, I don't know. abstract, there's... and they don't look like... People. They're not like Starfleet uniform colors, no. or... Do you know what I mean? It's not like a red one and two blue ones and a... <laughs> Than uh, Kira's maroon one or anything. Right. There's nothing. It's not like the shape of a Bajoran earring and like a Starfleet communicator. There's just nothing to connect them to individual people. Right. I mean, and then later Quark's like, I don't even know which one is which. And then I wanted to say, oh, so you had one in mind? That's right. It's Bashir. Yeah, it's Bashir, it of Bashir. course. Everyone he doesn't know. Bashir. Of course, he doesn't know that Bashir is already in the sunken place. Yes. Yes, he is. Uh, But I was just saying, like, what if he. What? Just four pieces of fruit in that bowl, or there's fucking four chandeliers in this hall, or whatever. But he's just like instantly, oh, there's four pieces on this board. Yeah, well, he's right. Like, all right, good, good writing. Um, you make fun of him all you want, but he got it right. He got it. He nailed it in one. Um, let's see. <laughs> she, they ask how Bashir knew it, and he goes, "Scientific method takes almost no beat at all," and goes, "Actually, I just guessed." Yep. Horrible delivery, horrible writing. Yep, um, it's very bad. All right, that's it. I'm done. Cool. Um, so we give that 15 points. Oh boy. Now I want to be very clear here. That's the worst score we've ever given an episode. So every episode of Enterprise we rated higher than this. Right. And even the bad episodes of Deep Space Nine, like The Passenger, for instance, from last week, we right. rated higher. That was a 19, and that might have been the previous low score. DS9 is really... <clears throat> I think we all thought that Enterprise was going to be bringing up the rear, but DS9's just plummeting. Yep. They're in a free fall. They they have had a very bad few weeks. <sighs> Alright, well, what, what, what piece of shit shows next? Voyager? Well, yeah, this week we watched Prime Factors. Voyager answers a distress call sent by hippies. They offer the crew a free vacation on their shopping mall planet. 
They have a real good transporter, but they also have the Prime Directive. Yep. Yeah. Also, they are perverts, for sure. I had Voyager meets an Italian stereotype from a British comedy. <laughs> yep. That's sort of what I figured that guy was. It is true that he only wants to give them pleasure in a in a very gross way yeah. that, that uh, the British would think was very funny. All right. I think I want to surprise you here. Okay. Take. Ethics serve the privileged. The prime. So my explanation. The prime directive is fine if you're the one who has all the fancy technology, but it doesn't really serve the needy party. As much as Starfleet would like to either believe or, or overlook. Um, the greater good, in this case, is another way of saying the status quo. It's all very true. That's what I think the episode is sort of sort of pointing out, which is a really cynical pre-aughts take. That's as cynical as you can get pre-2000. Mm. Um, but I do appreciate Voyager making the crew face ethical dilemmas every week. They seem to be actually doing that. It's much more science fiction, for sure. So I gave it a seven. Seven for you. Yeah. Um... I had some of that. I have this one, obviously, is the Prime Directive cuts both ways. Right. Um, So I gave it a six. And um, uh, Ben had basically the same take I did. Um, What are principles worth? Reverse Prime Directives, etc. He gave it a nine. Boom. uh, Saying that this is the first time that this has come up. Like, and really, that is true. And I like that. Um, the only time we see, I don't, I mean, I don't obviously remember all of Deep Space Nine. I don't imagine it comes up. No, that's not really what they're interested in. The only time we see any flirting with the idea of being on the other side of the Prime Directive is in that terrible episode with Rasmussen. Oh, Berlinghoff Rasmussen, where they're trying to all get a snapshot of the future or whatever. Right, but there's no stakes there. Yeah. It's like... The dumbest side of the Prime Directive. We will leave that one for later. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll come to that train wreck of an episode eventually. A few years from now, we'll get uh, to it. This is the first time that this has come up, right? I feel like that's right. I don't remember another one. Um, And I, I also feel like... Uh, and, and I'll just fold this right into execution. I only gave it a five for execution, but... Um, uh, because Voyager has a non-Federation contingent on board, mm-hmm. this sort of makes this the the perfect crew to be on this side of the Prime Directive. Right. Right, so that there's some internal conflict with it as well. Um, so again, I gave it a, I gave it a five. Uh, every time the Prime Directive comes up, they treat it like it's self-evident. That's true. And no one gives any examples of why it's necessary. That's also like, true. They're all just like, yeah, no, we get it. It's the Prime Directive. And no one really defends the Prime Directive. It's true. The focus is much more on, will I betray my principles? Not, what are my principles and why? Yes. Right. Um, what's not so clear to me is why the a pervert aliens... <laughs> I didn't write down their name. I don't, I don't remember. Uh, refuse to use the technology to move Voyager. That's super different from giving them the technology. That's true. She does try to make a bargain with them where she's like, you just, boom, you beam us. 
and we'll give you these stories. And because he's uh, he's got that sinister European sexuality, <laughs> that was that was just never in the cards. I definitely, we'll get into it later, but I definitely got the feeling that she spoiled that agreement by not being able to get along with him. But we'll, t- we'll talk about that. Yeah. Uh, do you have any other notes for execution? No, I mean, that's basically it. Like, um, I wished, like, it would have been a higher score if there had been some more defense of the Prime Directive. Some some examination of their principles. Right. So, um, about a five. Not Not bad, not good. We did not collaborate at all on this. I also gave it a five, and I brought up some of the same things. Um, I thought the impact of the storyline is actually undercut by the makeup of the crew. Half Maquis, right? And they don't really give a crap about the Prime Directive. I thought it would have been more effective if, if it was an entirely a Starfleet crew actually questioning their principles. Rather well, than so you having... think this would have been a better episode of The Next Generation? Yeah, if you wrote it so that they were actually questioning it. I have a feeling the TNG crew would have been ride or die for the Prime Directive or whatever. But um, They do try to offset it by making members of both crews come down on either side of the debate. Yes. So they do what they can to kind of m- minimize my issue with it. Um, but I, th- I still think it would have been more effective if you'd had... A full Starfleet crew and half of them came out for and half of them came out against or whatever. But also, these guys can travel 40,000 light years in any direction. Why do they? Why are they in need of new stories? Uh, that's a very good question. Like, They're, so much from has what to we've cause seen internal of this strife. Universe, this universe that has eight Class M planets in every system. Exactly. <laughs> so they need new stories so much that it causes internal strife in their society. Yeah. What are they doing with those stories? They're just reading them once and throwing them in the toilet? Finally, they steal the tech, and it doesn't work. So yep. it, that also kind of neuters the plot. But I guess I guess they made their ethical decisions before they knew it was bust, so that's it's fine. I gave it a five, whatever. Yeah. Um, world building. Did they do any? I gave it a three. I said there are uh, whale skeleton harps. That yep. harp was whale ribs or something, right? I think it was meant to be. There's pervy Euro aliens from Secaucus, I think was the name of their planet. Yeah, with that's right. It was something like that. <laughs> with principles not unlike uh, our own or uh, the crew's own. And there's like uh, that whole idea of folding space to travel great distances or whatever. That's all I had. Yeah, no, I mean, that's basically... Um, I have just one or two more things. So I gave it a five, and I'll talk a little bit about why in a second. Uh, the other things that I had were amplifier planet made of quartz. Right, that's right, yeah, that's true. Okay, and uh, Orgasm Wind. Yeah, I I didn't know where to put that. It, it grossed me out. It was bad and wrong. Um, yeah, Harry Kim, in case anyone didn't watch the episode, and good for you if you didn't, uh, he goes and he sits, he sits in this crazy jungle and some wind pops up and he totally jizzes in his pants. The reason that I gave it a five <laughs> is, um, so we know the Federation as post-scarcity. Mm-hmm. But we don't, we don't get a lot of understanding about how that post-scarcity economy functions or what they value. I'd say they delight in not telling us. <laughs> exactly. They say some things about seeking, you know, individual growth and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. This post-scarcity economy that we see, uh, where, like, they gotta have new art. Yeah. Like... It's it, there's a clear valuation, right? That's they need the, new, the new creative output from other people, um, and I think that is 
that is a stronger look at a post-scarcity society. Yeah, I agree. So that's why it's a five for me, because I feel like, yeah, that that's sort of a sensible, like, what would be valuable. Right. It's, you know, something that you can't make in a replicator. Although, procedurally generated stories could... That's right. You'd have to imagine could be something by that point. We already can sort of do it, just not real well yet. Yeah, we haven't really figured out a way to get all the verbiage to sound and look yeah, right and everything. Markov chains and a bunch of stuff. You can you can get there. I mean, every so often something that's procedurally generated makes it for publication. Hmm. Um, but, you know, fun pranksters. Right. And those so, procedurally generated dungeons and video games are great. great so fun. while they this was not a big stretch at world building... Um, I thought that that was interesting. Okay, I can see that. And um, characterization. So, uh, again, Janeway sort of comes off as like the good and conscientious person that she's been, who cares about her crew, etc. I liked Bolana's sort of being pulled, right between the Maquis and I think really Janeway, like not. Not between the Maquis and Starfleet, or yeah. the Maquis and Federation values, but but between the Maquis and her loyalty for, for Janeway. Right. Um, but even with uh, Tuvok's explanation of his actions, they're just still way out of left field and dumb, and so it's a three for characterization for me. Like, it's just not believable. <laughs> it was super random for Tuvok to do it, and his shitty explanation of, oh, I did it, you know, so you didn't have to. So, I, and then his, well, huh? his, his shitty half-apology. Yeah, well, my logic, my logic was, was not. My yeah. logic was not in error, but I was. Yeah. Like, well, okay, dog. I'm glad. Let's not split hairs on this dumb shit. For a second, I thought she was going to buy it. She did not buy it. She's like, no. yeah, well, okay, that's not going to do it. So do better. Um, what did you, So what would you give it? Three? Three. All right. Uh, yeah, so Balana has started calling him Harry instead of Starfleet. And apparently now they're friends. So that's progress. Yeah, that happened real quick. That's, that's progress. <laughs> Uh, well, she heard that he dicked that Delaney sister. Yeah, and he's getting so props that on put the street. Her, put him up a couple of notches in her eyes. Yeah. Um, she starts to come down on the side of doing things Starfleet's way in this episode. So she's she is at least seeing a character change. Um, if you replaced Tuvok with Lanier for an entire episode, would anybody notice? <laughs> yeah, well, it'd get 1% better. I <laughs> Just like, what, what is he? Well, a dog you and I would notice right away, and we would be so excited and happy. If that happened, and I didn't know that it had happened, if it was like a, a just yeah, a no, thing where I turned it on one day and Voyager had changed, you could slot him in there. That's all I'm saying. Excited wouldn't be even begin to describe my reaction if I turned on an episode of Voyager and it had changed since the last time I watched it, and Lanier was in it now. Yeah, I would I would lose my shit. Um. Uh, okay, but then wait for the first time Tuvok did a thing in this episode. That is true. But he straight it up just sucked. Straight the up, thing he did sucked. He straight up went rogue. Yep. His explanation is the ultimate cop out, and Janeway doesn't fall for it. I did it to protect you. Oh, really? You directly contradicted my orders for me. That that's we, a, that's so sweet. We've seen we've seen Starfleet officers break rules before, like Riker telling O'Brien to take a nap, <laughs> etc. Yeah. Like this is the least good version of that we've seen i feel like we've even seen spock bend rules and regulations before and it's like he is tuvok is so wooden yeah he's really the worst again the treatment of vulcans after spock is not great yeah tuvok sucks like i get it i mean i guess spock's half vulcan 
Like, yeah. but still. The computer knows that. He's so, like, in this week, he is so amused by Kirk's obvious displeasure yeah. at seeing this woman again. And Tuvok is just such a goddamn stone carving. Yep. Um, who, who then bro- breaks a bunch of rules. Whatever. How lonely is Janeway? Lonely. Just hooking up with this impertinent Spaniard? Listen, she's got... She's got that guy back on Earth with her dog. Her... Uh, her... Mate? <laughs> I don't know what to call him. Her partner? She... She definitely feels like she's a mom to this crew. Mm. But she... Like, there's some distance between her and them. Like, we see at the beginning she's excited that they're starting to get along. Yeah. This has sure. been exactly the same way that Katie is excited when one of my cats is licking the other cat. <laughs> that's that's right. That is the reaction. Um, well, they like each other. So even though she makes some terrible decisions, she still comes off as the most likable. Yep, uh, she's the she's the best character in Voyager by far. Her talk with Tuvok halfway through the episode shows her character once again actually coming to terms with shit and like realizing there are problems. Yep. And trying to fix them. Yep. But she's not great at politics. She no. just gets in a hissy fit with Pervo and ruins the whole relationship. It's like, just pretend you like him until you get what you want, lady. Shit's at stake, right? Yeah, you could be halfway home after this. <sighs> she just blows it on a little fucking argument. Anyway, um, Harry Kim is, uh, as a character, he's like a proxy for Starfleet Academy, right? I think so. He just spits out everything that he was told at the Academy with no real I, I mean, character. He's the own. Wesley Crusher of Voyager. It's just hard but, to watch. But less, like a less good actor than 14-year-old Will Wheaton. Yeah. I gave it a five. Okay. Um, ooh, this is not bad. Uh, while I total it up, why don't you give quick me some hitters. quick hitters? I know you got some. I got some. I definitely got some. Uh... All right, the Netflix screenshot for this appears to be Harry Kim wears an ugly shirt and gets a girlfriend. <laughs> uh, so I was not excited to turn this episode on. Uh, this greasy Europerv just confirming everybody's worldview, even though he's a fancy alien and not Mediterranean at all. It's just still, yep. it's what everyone wanted to see out of this guy with his accent. Uh, Tuvok thinks bonding and friendship will maximize efficiency. Yeah, that's real bad. He clearly didn't see me and Tate's back at Coaching Communications playing desk just, chair basketball. They give him the exact same lines that the writers of Red Dwarf give to Crichton, but it's a joke in Red Dwarf. That's right, exactly. Yeah, or, or um, he might as well be saying things like, show me some more of that Earth thing you call kissing. That's right. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's fucking... Because me and Tate's, man, playing like... How many times can we spill coffee on each other's desk? <laughs> Most authentic Mel Gibson rant. Like, it was not a productive place. That's not efficient. No, it was not an efficient workplace. Um, Janeway didn't want a dress made for her, I think because she hasn't shaved her legs in actual years. <laughs> she did not want to show that off. No, she knew that dress would have, like, slits and shit. Like, she knew this guy was going to make her a pervert dress for sure. Well, he couldn't stop touching her the whole time. So fucking wrong. Uh, I know a place where you can tell me all of your stories. Not here, though. You can only tell me in those hot woods. 
That lady, yeah. like, makes Harry Kim go to the woods to tell stories. Uh, she was for sure. They were definitely put their hands in some aquarium gravel. <laughs> Someone was about to get fucking wrist nipples, for sure. It was definitely going to happen. Harry Kim literally asked, what's happening, as the hot wind made him jizbo. Yep. He's he's yep. never done that before. He definitely flooded his basement. What's um, happening? <laughs> Doug, Doug, you're coming. Like, it happens. I'm... I know, Doug. The first time is weird. <laughs> um, How come Harry didn't ask if the trip to Alastria was really a hologram? Yeah, because no I shit. thought it was a holodeck at first. I would have gone to holodeck right away. Yeah, he doesn't even think of it. He's sure they have traveled somewhere. I was, I was just thinking she had a fancy holodeck. I didn't remember this episode. He's like, oh, you got two sons here, huh? Uh, it was fun holodeck. That pervo was like fingering Janeway's jowls at one point. Yeah, I didn't like it. I did not like it. He's uh, like, really. They were just, they were afraid to go this far with Devonani Roll. That's right, but that's what But they by wanted. Voyager, they were like, ah, fuck it. He just describes everything. Every single thing is either pleasurable or not. Let's put a wicker basket in his hair, which Ben <laughs> loved. And, uh... <sighs> Finally, this episode is Fresca heavy. Is yeah, she... there's a lot of Fresca in this one. Is she the new O'Brien Barkley Rolaren of this shit? She's just super recurring? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Right. Uh, we'll see if she sticks around. I have no memory. Again, we probably got about five more episodes before I checked out. Because she was heavier in it than some of the main characters, for sure. So. Uh, yeah, although uh, I forgot that Lieutenant Carey was going to be a person. <laughs> he just popped up. Hey, guys, remember he just, me? Like, showed up again. Hey, guys. I'm uh, I'm still here. We had a lot of conflict in episode two. I'll help you out. I'll, I'll help you out. I'm, I'm, I'm down to break rules. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, is that it? Yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, Harry Kim is wearing Picard's shirt. <laughs> For sure. Uh, that's the shirt that he wears. He wears it in a scene with Beverly. Oh, I hate it. Uh, it's like the wrap-up end of the episode. Like, I'm not... No, I'm not going to stay for dinner. What's the, What episode is that? Attached? Attached. Yeah, that's one of Marjan's favorites, by the way. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he wears that shirt. It looks a lot better on Picard. Yeah. Like, it's more believable that he would wear it, because we've seen him wear shirts that are basically that. Like... Wrap, wrap shirts with deep V's. Yeah, I do. Not uh, want to like see, fifty times by that point. I don't want to see a deep V on Harry Kim's hairless chest. It uh, makes me feel weird. But that's uh, that's the, the same, the self same shirt. Like the uh, all of the folds on the one side. Anyway, <laughs> I saw it right away. I was like, nope, that's Picard's shirt. Don't wear that. Right, uh, dog. They ran this episode by Little League rules. Uh, everybody got one line. Oh, good. That's really like, nice. Uh, except the doctor, by the way, who I don't think was in it. Uh, was he on Earth? Maybe he, he was got probably on Earth on visiting. Earth. It was his mother's hundredth birthday. Was Cass in it? I don't even remember. Yeah, yeah, no. So uh, Cass, Neelix, Chakotay, Paris—none of them are in the show, but they all show up and wave at the camera. So That's when good. she brings them into the, uh, when she brings them into the mess hall, with, so that they can have their special picnic. Right. Uh, that's where Kess and Neelix get a line. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, I remember that. But, like, literally, it's like, they get everybody has to get one line. Uh, you know, now that actually gotta, makes me... Gotta play all your actors. That makes me think. That's a weird interruption in what they were trying to tell us was plot momentum with the Doctor. That's true. Yeah, he's just gone. Like, he doesn't get a name in this episode. Every week they're like, is he gonna get a name? Like, that's important for some they reason. Just could, they couldn't figure out a way to get them into sickbay. Mm. Like... Not even so the doctor could say that those guys were in excellent health. Although, 
you know, maybe their cholesterol's high or something. I don't know. Right. Uh, best actor. Uh, I gave it to like really disappointed Janeway. Yep. I think like, that's a best. bad scene for her at the end where she's, she's, she's got a, she's got a wreck Bolana. Yeah. She thinks she, she has to wreck Bolana. Yeah. And then Tuvok pipes up. <laughs> she's like, oh. And oh. she's just like, oh. <laughs> it did blow her mind, for sure. Uh, worst actor, sorry, Harry Kim. He's you again. Fucking him and Bashir need to go to an you island again, together. Man. That's a buddy, buddy <laughs> cop show no one would watch. <laughs> that would be absolutely the worst show. Maybe they could pretend they were James Bond. Oh, no. <laughs> you won't have to see that at least for a while. For a while. Yeah, but it's, I know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um. So this was my episode of the week. It beat oh, out right. Hide and Q by a point. Well, that's and not much, though. You gave it a 20, which is pretty good, but um, that only gives it 39 total points. So it's it comes up just three behind Hide and Q. Okay. Well. Um, but still. Yeah, I thought it was, f- I mean, by. Not, a, not bad. By the standards of the shittiness that we've seen for the last nine weeks, it was fine. Yeah, so, I mean, 39 out of 80, it turns out when you add them up, like, that's not too bad in this project. Yeah. Uh, Voyager's average score was is 31.8, so Yeah, I'm still hoping that as these shows find their footing, the art will get better, but I, I guess I'd, I don't really believe it will happen. Yeah, and uh, uh, Ben also had this as his top uh, show, so he gave this one 30 points. Wow. Now, Ben is always more generous. That's a lot, though. Um, but he gave it an 8 for execution because the stakes are real. Um, and, like, it's easy for them to steal or steal the tech. So, like, it's really about their principles. That's true. Um, and you know what? I, I, to be fair, even if they had succeeded, they still would have been 30 years from home. Like, yep. if they were able to use it once, if they weren't able to replicate it and use it again. Yeah, so it is even conceivable that at this point in the show, they could have jumped them 40,000 light years. That's right. So I didn't penalize them for having the fake stakes, which I hate. Um, gave it a six for world building. Um, he wanted to know what the other Starfleet general orders are, which is also a thing I have wondered. Yeah. Maybe they just call that one general order number one, and they didn't bother with any others. No, there are no, there are no others. Um... He liked the hedonist aliens. Oh, I did not like them at all. I did not uh, like them. Yeah. Um, and he gave it a seven for characterization. Wow. So he really, yeah, 30, but dang, that's... He did want to know why how Paris was the voice of reason. I don't remember Paris saying anything, but I did write <laughs> that everybody got a hand in, so I guess he must have. <laughs> he defended the Prime Directive, and I think you're right. I think they went down to the wire and he hadn't had a line yet. So they just yep. went, oh, I don't know, just have him say something about how the Prime Directive's good. Um, let's see. Uh, he thought it was interesting that um, normal punishments don't work on the ship because they need everyone. That's true. So, I mean, yeah. And he gave the best actor to Janeway and the worst to Seska. We haven't seen much out of Seska that's encouraging, it's true. <laughs> She's not amazing. Uh, so, so far, with four out of the five gone, it looks like TNG is set to walk away, but but we did watch uh, Fortunate Son. Someone 
I see what you did there. Yeah, I had fun with <laughs> you it. You zagged. I zagged. Uh, Enterprise. Respond. Yeah, I got. I mean, I listen. I have to admit, I uh, I zigged first. I did download all of Fortunate Son, and then I thought, wait a minute, it'd be funnier if I did another CCR song, right? <laughs> you know, I actually like Fortunate Son. It's not a bad song, it's, is the thing. It's got a good driving rhythm. It wouldn't have been funny if you played a good song, I think. Also, it's in Grand Theft Auto V, which I've been replaying. So. Oh, I didn't even remember that. Okay. Everything that appears on the radio there gets a little boost for me. Uh, Enterprise responds to a freighter's distress call. The acting captain tells Archer Nosikin's attacked and injured their captain before escaping. While helping the freighter with repairs, T'Pol discovers that the freighter crew are hiding an injured Nosikin. They're interrogating the alien in order to find a way to destroy the Nausicaan ships that have been harassing them for months. When Enterprise insists they turn the Nausicaan over, the freighter flees and runs off to engage. I'm saying Nausicaans a lot. The Nausicaans in a fight for revenge. <laughs> Mayweather convinces the freighter captain to give up the fight in order to help out all boomers everywhere. And now you know from an earlier episode that a boomer is someone who's crapped their pants. So that's... <laughs> I just didn't want, to for... didn't want anyone to forget that we learned that several episodes ago <clears throat> yeah um for real it would be world building if it if it um if it happened if it mattered at all <laughs> yeah. uh but we do we do get the idea that uh boomers refers to a space boom oh okay. equivalent to a baby boom There's a space boom but is only what because it pants, says right? only because at some point someone specifically says space boomers <laughs> but a space boom that's what happens when you poop your pants right you just say i yep. space boomed my pants all right yep 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 uh, what do you have for a take on this thing? Uh, individualism doesn't rule out accepting help from others. Okay. I don't know. Uh, this is, as often happens with Enterprise, uh, I was conflicted. Also, is this, uh, is the, uh, this one could also be, there is no profit in revenge. <laughs> well, that's true. Yes. <laughs> it could <So>. be. <laughs> one of those two, but I feel like they were hinting more at those, uh, like these guys feel like they have to solve this Nuskin problem themselves. They were very proud. Yeah, it is true. Yeah, it could be also be pride goeth before a fall. What did that? What did that do for you? It's a four. Okay. It's something that, I mean, there is a lot of individualism, particularly in America. So it's worth hearing, I guess. I had progress for one can be another's the end of another's way of life. Ah, uh, so you were you keyed in on the automation fear aspect of this, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, and also all the shit that the captain, the recovered captain at the end of the episode says to Archer about how they feel like they own this vast stretch of space and they're going alone and all that crap, and all these new warp engines are gonna, you know, ruin their way of life, and those guys won't get to exist anymore, and all that shit. And the terrible attitude that the other guy has about Mayweather abandoning his family and all this stuff. Yeah, it's like the also the end of the Old West. That's exactly that kind of thing. I almost wrote, Mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys, but that wasn't a good explanation of the episode. Yeah. Um, I gave it a six, because we haven't really heard that much about this part of history of space travel. Correct. Um... Now, so I can appreciate that. Of course, the reason we haven't heard about it is because the writer of this episode invented it all on the spot, which is, I guess, what they all do. So. I mean, that's how everything else has happened in Star Trek, too. It's not like that's particularly an Enterprise problem. Yeah. It's, it's not even like this was ever really hinted at, though. This guy just went, I got a cool idea for Cowboys in Space or whatever. Uh, yeah, so I gave it a six. Although, really, we know that this can only have been this way for, what, at most two generations? 
But that's how often ways of life change, right? Like, yeah, you know, how long was the old west? The old west, really? It was not that long. Like, I mean, we only expanded into it, and they from the civil, like, really from just before the civil war to about nineteen ten. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So yeah, so that makes sense. I don't know. So uh, execution, I gave it a four. Okay. These characters definitely feel threatened by the rise of Starfleet and high warp engines and all that stuff. But their downfall seems to be more about stubborn stupidity than being phased out by progress. You know what I mean? Yeah, and with my take, um, I also had it at a a four in execution on this because, again, it's half a parable about revenge and that waters down the other take. Yeah. And also, they can't, they have to be cagey about getting help from the Enterprise because they're hiding that NOS again. That's true, yeah. It's so it's not, not just, just about they want to handle things themselves, etc., right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's like a four. <coughs> this is actually pretty good for Enterprise. Yeah. Although these are the parts of Enterprise that, that tend to score a little better. The characterization is really what lets down the side for Enterprise. <laughs> They've not their, top, well. their top score is actually in execution. Like, wow. They have the highest average execution of any of the shows so far. And I wonder how much of that is me reverse engineering the take and then giving them high points for it. I mean, it's got to be some of it because we have spent a lot of time trying to imagine what the take could possibly be. (laughs) I think of all the shows, this is the one that's most common for one of us to message the other one during the week going, so did you see this one? What what was it? What is it about? What is this episode? What's happening? Look, it is... uh, I have found often with these Enterprise episodes that I have to look at Wikipedia and then Memory Alpha... And then ex Astra Ciencia. <laughs> just to canvas just the whole to room. Just try and get a hold of it. Yeah. Uh, world building. What do you get? Uh, so there's some. Like, um, sort of the stuff you talked about. Cargo ships on five-year runs, and that their whole societies. Um, plasma cannons. Everything about the way that cargo ship is presented uh, is cool. Yeah. But... They lost a ton of world building points for me. Uh oh, negative world building points. Here we go. Why did they use Nausicans? Yeah. If they weren't going to portray them yeah. the way they are in tapestry. I have this question in like in my quick hitters. You don't you didn't have to make them Nausicans. I know. There was no need for that. Yeah. How come Nausicans in the twenty one hundreds don't sound like crazy idiots? Do I now have to do all of the work for the writers to extrapolate why between so 2100s and the 2300s, Nausicans change so much? Yeah, there's a, That's like a sinister guy with a mid-Atlantic accent yeah. as a Nausicaan now. But I, I hate that. That's on me now. Now I have to figure it out because they've done such a bad job with continuity. Yeah. So, Ugh. like, the freighter culture boomer stuff could have been good. Like, this could have been a high world-building score if they had just been a new race we never heard of or, yeah. like, they could have been Orions. We know those people are slavers. Like, they yeah. could have been into some shit. For sure. Like, you could have picked another race. If you're going to give them lines, don't make them Nausicans. We know what Nausicans say. It is human play dumb, Jot. <laughs> That's right, dude. You talk and you talk, <laughs> but you have no gramba. That's correct. All humans like, cowards. All humans. Like, we get it. <laughs> like, don't. What, are we going to have the pack leads and they're going to all talk like they went to Cambridge? <laughs> That's right. And they're going to be doing Stephen Fry level wordplay. This is what I'm worried about, yes. 
you, they didn't have to be there was no need for it it's such a waste anyway i gave it a three for world building and it could have been much higher i have to agree wholeheartedly yes i do agree wholeheartedly um I also gave it a three. I had given it a four, but you talked me down a point because I agree. <laughs> I didn't have the Nausicaan thing in world building, but you're right. That is where it belongs. It's negative world building. Yeah. Um, yes, it doesn't make any sense. And now I have to sit there racking my brains like, so so if, I have, if I'm going to make this so, work, what happened? So those three Nausicaans on the station, on S- S- Space Station Earhart or whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah, were they just dummies? Were they were they drunk? Had they been drinking? Were they syndrome Did they have were a these, syndrome? Were they frittatas? Were yeah. they Nausicaan frittatas? That's what I'm saying. Like, now I have to sit there and be like, I gotta make this work in my head. There's gotta be a reason this happened, which I hate doing. Um, yeah. Also, I hated I hated their outfits. Well, yeah. They're out, again, they were just wearing, like, leather jackets and shit, right? They just, they just all dressed like Henry Rollins. It didn't make any sense. <laughs> That's right. Uh, all kinds of freighter stuff, armament, speed, lifestyle, just like you talked about. Though, because I don't know how much that's going to play into anything, it didn't seem like anything that might be long-lasting. I was only going to give it a four anyway, but I moved it down to a three on that Nausicaan shit. So. See, I feel like I would have gone as high as, uh, probably with the amount that they discussed it, I might have gone as high as a five or a six. Okay. Um, But they did me. They basically they did, they you did dirty, the dude. Wor- they did the world building equivalent of making me watch a dream. <laughs> That's right, exactly correct. Yeah, they blew it on continuity. They hella blew it. Yeah. Uh, characterization. How about this, dude? I think this is the highest I've ever given them. I gave them a five. I, I can't believe it. Mayweather is a nice boy. Yes, <laughs> that's what I have for him. He's he talks the most of anyone in the whole episode, and that's all I could get. But he's a nice boy. Archer, um, uncharacteristically yeah. sensible in this episode. Yes. Doesn't have insane emotional reactions. Isn't a complete asshole. Doesn't ruin somebody else's day just because he felt like it. I felt that was positive. Um, nobody else is really in this episode except for the freighter crew. I mean, T'Pol's in it, but it doesn't matter. So yeah. I gave it a five just because it was nice to see Archer not be the worst. Uh. This is uh this is another little league style episode everybody gets a hand in. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like Tucker's not really in it. They get reeds in there cuz he gets to fire a couple of torpedoes. I always forget the guys even in the show. Uh T- Tucker gets a couple of lines in there right when the crew is still trapped on board right. because he's in command because T'Pol's on the ship. But yeah, no, this is an everybody gets a hand in episode. Flocks is there. Uh but yeah, no you're right. This is a Mayweather episode and Archer. Yeah. Yeah, mostly Mayweather. Mostly Mayweather. Uh, he seems like a real baby. He is like an infant. He's a sweet, soft boy. Infant level naivete. Like he is. He did is a real this, baby. Did they think the show needed a Wesley Crusher? Yes, I think it's obvious, and I think I. It's unfortunate. I think the writers of these shows don't know how to write black people, and I think that scares them. So they just make them nothing. Yeah, I just guess. like no character. Oh man, I meant this in a quick hitters. Um, Cisco's little go to bed speech. Yeah. Did he suddenly get black right at the end there? Oh, I don't know. Did he? What did he say? I felt like he went black with Jake right oh, at the maybe. end of that little speech about how he they never had a problem with their bedtime before. It doesn't matter. Okay. I don't remember it clearly, but I I remember thinking that at the time, like, huh, that's a choice. <laughs> yeah, he must have done that um, himself because the writers don't know how to do that. Yeah. So again, Mayweather's he's a baby. Yeah. He's a naive baby. And no one else is in this show. I gave it a two. All right. 
That's about where I usually have them. Like, I don't I don't hate what they've done with Mayweather. He just doesn't seem like an officer on a starship. So outside of this episode, because he was all over it, I think if you had just randomly, dur- like, during the week, like, next week on Wednesday or something, if you ask me to name the main characters of Enterprise... <laughs> you won't be able to remember his name. The ones I'm least likely to remember are Reed and Mayweather. I, I really have trouble remembering they're in the show. Hoshi and Phlox are not much more in it. Yep. They're just slightly more in it. And then there's the the big three or whatever. Yeah. What's uh what's Tucker's first name? Randall. That's not Randall. <laughs> Steven. Uh Yeah, I don't I I know I legitimately don't remember. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I can't I, I also cannot remember. Wait. Um Ch- Chip. No. No. Fucking, it's something. You think that because his nickname's Trip. Trip. Yeah, which That's stands for... not his first for... name. Cantrips. <laughs> I was going to say Tripador. His name's Tripador. Tripadvisor. Yeah. All right. Um, Why don't you do some math? I can do some quick hitters here. Um, yeah, what do you got for me? Our old friend Fucko from Man of the People. The episode Man of the People. TNG. Yeah, I know Man of the People. He's the captain of the freighter who's injured. You know, the guy who molests Troy and all the other ladies on the ship with his stones. He's got the magic stones clicked together. That's the captain of the freighter? He's the captain of that freighter. Did you look that up? Nope. As soon as I saw him, I recognized Fucko. I did not recognize that at all. I don't know his name. I just call him Fucko, but I recognized him. Um, Oh, the ship is called The Fortunate. I get it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome stuff. Good job, writers. Yeah, it turns out they couldn't afford to play the song Fortunate Son. That's right. They would have, though. Oh, you know, for sure. They <laughs> well, they wanted to. Uh, I don't know how much faster Warp 1.8 warp is than Warp 1. But isn't the nearest star, like, four light years away from Earth? Yes. Where are they carrying ore to and from? Yeah, that's a good question. Um... So, we know it's a six-month trip. This is what I'm saying. Where are they going? Yeah. Where is this ore? There are a bunch of stars within ten light years. Uh, Okay, but how fast is warp 1.8? Well, you gotta go ten light years. You gotta... I I mean, that's... I can can tell you. It's far. It's ten years of warp 1. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know how fast warp 1.8 is, but it's... Uh, It's 5.8 times the speed of light. Oh, okay. So it'd be to go ten light years, it'd take you a little under two years or whatever. Yeah. Okay. So they're still wrong on their math. I just, I, I was just trying to figure out how efficient this operation can be. Where are they carrying or to and from? And there must be something yeah. easier they can do. Yep. Because this is doesn't make sense to me. Well, they have time on these runs to raise children and stuff, but like, how can how much? This ore must be real valuable. This is what I'm saying. You fucking travel for two years or whatever, and you show up with one batch of ore, and you go, this is my job. Huh? We have our eight little clamshell containers of ore. It's, it's Which, by the way, the one we saw was empty. How much, yeah, how much can that be, how much value can that have? Ugh, I just, all right. Seems like an inefficient system. It does. Um, The acting captain, the douchebag in, who's in most of the episode on that freighter, uh, he went from, no need to help my shot up captain, to, is he gonna die? Yeah, that was bad. It's like, dog, if he's that injured, you probably should have asked for the doctor's help or not try to push everybody away. Now, they knew they were going to find that Nausicaan. Yeah, but did they know they were going to find a doctor? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm just saying. Uh, something happened on the North Star. 
Yep. I, I don't know what. They decided to leave it a mystery. Yeah. Something uh, happened, and Mayweather knows about it because he is a, a boomer. boomer. A boomer. He's a boomer. But it's not. I don't know if anyone else knows about it. I have no idea. Is it famous in the non-boomer community? I've never, I've never heard of it. Yeah. So I don't know. That's the kind of thing that would be in Babylon 5, though. Mm-hmm. I would, but I feel like they would give you a little more, wouldn't they? I don't feel like... Would I don't they? think J. Michael Straczynski was into making you mystified. Did they not talk about, like, the Black Star incident about a hundred times before they explain what it is? No, talk about it in the very first episode they, that it ever comes up. Later mm. in that episode, Sheridan explains what he did, that he mined an asteroid field and blew up their flagship. Hmm. So, I mean, I think you have to go, like, a scene before they, they tell you what's Okay. Up. I don't think he's into that. I think he's like, no, I built this beautiful universe. Do you want to hear about it? Yeah, let me tell you some of the things in it. Um, let's see. It's uh, got Rebo and Zudi. I cannot figure out why they are punching those Nosskins in the face. Have you seen their faces? I definitely would not. They got spines all over their Hit- face. They got fucking crazy claw mouths. Hit them with something instead. Don't use your fist. Yeah, they're clearly using their fists. I'm like, no, don't do that. That's really dumb. They have a claw mouth. Ugh. Um, whether human beings have a code of ethics isn't really important, right? Nope. I mean, the question's never answered, does Starfleet have authority in this situation or not? Yep, exactly. Seems like no. Uh, we already talked about the Nausicaans. Uh, why is Mayweather allowed to shout at the guy over the view screen? Uh, Starfleet policy, dog. I mean... Is this when it's established? Is this why Jordan is able to do it later? They're going to be leaning over and Yankee traitors for... <laughs> Years to come. So you're saying that by the time of the last outpost, that is like 200-year-old policy. Yeah, look, Starfleet, like, junior officers are raised under the same rules that our dad raised us. (laughs) That's correct. Freedom of speech, no matter the consequences. Uh, Good for him. Earlier, you said somebody jizzboed. So (laughs) I hope he's happy with that. The guy hears Mayweather over the view screen and says exactly what I was thinking. Oh, you again. Yep. I was like, oh, that's what I was saying. That's good. What means Yankee traitors? <laughs> he heard that. I heard that too. <laughs> yeah, that's what he should have said. Also, I can see you. And uh, the delivery of all of the lines in the climactic scene where Mayweather talks the freighter captain down is fucking awful. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Both it's of not those well, guys. Bad. It's not well executed, and there's one and only one person to blame. Who's that? That's well, the director of the episode, LeVar Burton. Oh boy, come on, LeVar. Yeah, <sighs> I he fucked even, it. I didn't even know. That's all I got for quick hitters. I got a couple. Okay. Uh, is this episode a backdoor pilot for a much more interesting show? I think we've asked that about a number of episodes in a number of the shows. That this would be better as a spinoff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, not with this freighter crew, because I hate that main guy. Yeah, he's the worst. But, uh... Show me these guys. Or you know what? Just make Star Command again. Yeah, I basically want Star Command. Okay. Or Space Rangers. I would take Space Rangers. Okay. Lucky no one on this whole freighter can shoot, huh? Yeah, there's a lot of... It would really escalate things. There's a lot of uh, fucking Zorro Lancer shit going on. Like, there's a... That freighter crew has set up an ambush, and the Nausicans just come walking up the corridor, and the guy shoots a bulkhead. <laughs> That's right. Hit your... Okay, in the firefight when they're shooting back, fine. Hit your first shot. Yeah, you can't blow the first one. Yeah. 
Uh, and then directed by LeVar Burton. Like, that's... That's enough, really. That's enough to say about it. That's it. Maybe Ben had something. I know I skimped out on the quick hitters. What did, what did Ben say about this dumb, dumb episode? Which order did you watch them in? When did this one get watched? This is the last one I watched. Yeah, that's, well, that's often a problem. But coming off of... Voyager had scored highest for the week for me. So coming off of that, I was prepared to enjoy this episode. No, yeah, Ben gave it 13 points. There was not much. Yeah. Um, oh, man, he had the same quick hitters as me. Everyone's aim is Stormtrooper level, and it was directed by LeVar Burton. Huh, so you both noticed that. I did not see that come up. I must have been looking away. Um, he gave the best actor to... Uh, the Admiral in the beginning, since he was literally in the show the least. Long. Admiral Forrest was the winner <laughs> for his very nice, polite conversation with Archer. Hey, did I wake you up? Sorry about that. And I gave the best actor to, I don't know, Dr. Flocks, question mark. You boy, yeah. Not a lot like, of great choices in that show. There was not much to choose from here. Uh, worst actor, uh, I gave a toss-up between Mayweather and the two main boomers. Yeah, okay, that's fine. I Yes, I agree. Fucking they all they all did a bad job. So horrible. And when that's the climactic scene, is those two dudes facing off? It's like, yeah, oh, that's boy. real bad. We're not getting it done today. It's not going to be a good episode. Yeah. Uh, did you have a best and a worst? No. Uh, uh, Mayweather <laughs> Mayweather was really bad. I don't think anyone in that episode was good. I don't know. There were not. There wasn't so, even like one good line delivery. I was like, oh, that was effective. No, nothing. Uh, so you say that, but you gave this episode eighteen points. That's true. Uh, I only gave it 13, so it scored 31, which is actually right at Enterprise's average. Okay. They have an average of 30.6 before this week. It's so weird. I don't feel like I'm generous, but I still often rate them higher than you. Um, Not always, but often. Like, you didn't for Move Along Home this week, for instance. Okay, right. But you did for the other four episodes. Yeah, I think just Even in general. Was just by one point in Voyager. Um, when you average, you give the worst scores, and Ben gives yep. the best ones. But I, it's like, I yes. feel like I'm being rough on them, but then your scores come through. Uh, there are a few. Like, uh, in uh, in week seven, you gave worst scores to What Are Little Girls Made Of? Mm. Uh, to Ex Post Facto. I don't remember which one that is. I've already forgotten it again. <laughs> and to Breaking the Ice. Oh, that episode definitely so, sucked. So three episodes that week you gave the lower scores to, but in general it is um it's usually you give the high score and I give the the low score. And I'll get, I'll the, get Dublin the Dublin before ye. Alright. Uh but the winner this week with uh with forty two points is the next generation with Hide and Q. Woot. With a fan vote going to Voyager. Okay. Well, that's fine. You gave it to Voyager too, right? I also gave it to Voyager, yeah. but the I was outnumbered mar- on that one. But Ben doesn't but the count. The margin. Well, you and I had almost the exact same score for the Voyager episode, and you gave some more points to Hide and Q. Right. All right. Well, then, what the hell? Uh, what's what's next? What's the next round of this going to look like? It is a good question. Uh, week ten. So next week uh, for the original series, we have the Corbomite maneuver. I'm pretty pumped. I think there's a Howard in that one. Uh, there's definitely a there's an actual Howard in this one. Uh, for the next generation, we have Haven. Oh no, we'll have a lot to talk about <laughs> with Haven. Oh no, oh, for goddamn sure. Oh no. Okay. Uh, for Deep Space Nine, we have the Nagus. So I think the first appearance of Wallace Shawn. Great. All right. Not excited about that. Uh, for Voyager, something called State of Flux. Who knows? No idea. And for Enterprise, something called Cold Front. I think that's one where they find a huge comet. Oh, yeah, that's good. 
I hope that's true. I hope every fifth episode is just, hey, look at this comet. Oh, I didn't give it any points, but I did notice that the Admiral mentioned the comet in I, the start I saw of that too. Enterprise. So, oh, I hope you guys keep those logs coming. We really love that one about the big comet you found the other day. I, I guess that offsets the fact that a couple of episodes ago, when uh, Archer was being shitty about the Vulcans, he completely forgot to mention the Pajem Monastery. <laughs> So either there's either there's continuity or there's not. Uh, But those are the episodes you need to watch in the next two weeks if you want to play along the next time we do this. Uh, Matt, why don't you tell the fine, fine people how they can get in touch with us? Yeah, you can tweet us. Please tweet us at BrotherDate. You can find uh, the website, BrotherDate.com. There's a feed that gets updated there. Obviously, if you're listening to us, you know how. But tell your friends to subscribe on the iTunes and uh, we didn't make it to three hours this time, but I promise we will next time. <laughs> I swear it. It's Deep Space Nine's fault. We just didn't have anything to say. No, we got really boring on that one. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Worf, is this your this idea sex? of sex? Is this your idea of sex? It's like, relax, dude. How about getting a fucking filter, Jordy? Good God. Hey, hey like, dog. This isn't embarrassing enough for everybody. Hey, dog. Worf didn't cause this. Please subscribe.